Maverick News presents The Rick Walker Show Defrag Your Mind Good evening Maverick family, welcome back You know where you are, you're watching the Maverick News Channel Welcome home Great to have everybody here. We will be talking with Kevin Michalitsi tonight in Crimea. Our uh, Maverick News contributor from over there. And we are going to get uh, a different perspective on the Tucker Carlson Vladimir Putin interview. Kevin has been speaking to people over there to get a Russian perspective for us. He has been producing some video material. He has been uh, really kind of digging into it, analyzing it, and he'll share his observations and analysis with us tonight in a way that you're just not going to find over here in the West totally different perspectives. So we're looking forward to that with Kevin Michalitsi. Also, Justin Trudeau, his support is crumbling. We've already seen him tumbling in the polls, and now it looks like the love affair between JT and Jagmeet Singh, leader of the NDP, may be coming to an end as well. We'll explain what that is all about. Uh, we also have, you know, just other news of the day lined up for you with Trump today calling for an end to foreign handouts, especially foreign handouts to uh, the countries that are going to war, like Ukraine. So that's an interesting development as well. Um, and we'll, uh, we'll see what else comes to the surface tonight as we journey down today's top news story lane. I don't know, I just made that up. Not sure that that really worked, but you get the idea. We'll have more on the other side of this. Greetings, brave mavericks. Our quest for truth continues. We go beyond fake news. Together we expose propaganda. Together we pull others. Out. Of rabbit holes. We are maverick thinkers. We are all unique individuals. Individuals. Defenders of individual rights. And freedoms. Credible. Trusted. Grounded in reality. Maverick News. Maverick News. Defending free speech, free speech, speech. Donate at freedomreporters.com. Do it now. Now. Tomorrow. Maybe too late. Too late. Too late. Too late. Maverick News. The, the world, world is, is watching. watching. 
Fighting the Great Reset By leading The Great Great Resistance Maverick News The antivirus programs for your mind And I'm back So let's start with this situation with Justin Trudeau As you know, he has been tumbling in the polls If there were an election held today All the major polls are showing that the Conservative Party of Canada under Pierre Polyev would handily win a majority government in this country. And yet we saw this week a Liberal MP stand up in the House of Commons and say Canadians don't want an election right now. And then we see reaction online from Canadians spilling their guts and, um, you know, and exposing their, their hearts and expressing their displeasure with Justin Trudeau and the Liberals uh, responding online to polling, independent polling, just random polling, showing that overwhelmingly they do want an election. Now, that is not necessarily scientific because the methodology is not entirely uh, uh, flawless when you're conducting an online, say, Twitter poll, but because people get emotional and um, you get a skewed response that way. Nevertheless, when you're getting, you know, 95 to 97 percent of people responding online saying they definitely want an election, uh, I would say that there's uh, every indication that the liberals are kind of fibbing when they say that people don't want an election. Clearly they do. And we're going to get into what's happening with this alliance between the NDP and the Liberals, with the NDP propping up JT, but that may be coming to an end. But just to kind of set the stage for that, I mean, this is a political lobby group, okay? And they, I think they kind of, it's sort of self-explanatory what it is, but people, I think, view this as almost like a journalistic endeavor, but it is not. It is a political action group, Canada Proud, and... They are definitely uh, conservative in orientation. People do donate money to them. But here they are posting on Twitter saying over 5,000 cent already. Go to electionnow.ca to tell an NDP MP it's time for an election now. And this is the graphic that they've been uh, circulating online and you know uh, our very own Leo Lucier mouth of the south went to his local MP's office we ran that video the other day to express his desire for an election and a dissolution of this alliance between the NDP and the Liberals as you know the Liberals have a minority government, and without the support of the NDP, they will have a very difficult time getting anything passed in the House. And if key pieces of legislation are defeated, 
that can lead to a vote of confidence and therefore that can easily become a vote of non-confidence which would trigger an election. Without that NDP support, we are probably looking at an election sooner rather than later. Indeed, I've been predicting an election for this coming fall with a summer-long campaign. And with the way things are looking, I would say that seems to be shaping up. Some people were saying spring, but we're already now into February. And I don't think that there is really enough time. There could be. They could call an election. Could run it in, you know, a 60 to 90 day, well, maybe a 90 day window from first public notification and from the time that the governor general is informed and uh, dissolves parliament. But I don't think so. I think we're looking at a fall. But maybe, um, you know, a pretty early call for it, maybe an end of summer election. As I've been saying for a while, I think that Trudeau would like to piggyback the next federal election on the U.S. election to take advantage of the emotional momentum that will flow from the United States take advantage of all of the marketing and the hype and the uh, and the, the division that is no doubt going to come along with the big presidential election and the showdown between Donald Trump and Joe Biden and it looks like that is what we are going to get is a showdown like that but why why am I talking about this alliance crumbling? Well, <coughs> excuse me. It is because the NDP is saying that uh, they may divorce themselves from the liberals over the pharmacare issue. Now, as you may know, uh, the NDP is really the party that was responsible for the dental, the national dental care subsidy program that the liberals brought in. It was the NDP that pressured the liberals to do that. And also, in order to continue this alliance, this joint governing structure that we have in Canada, um, there was a pharmacare, free, free pharmaceutical medicines, prescription drugs for Canadians. That's what the NDP was pushing for, and the Liberals have been slow to respond to that, according to the NDP. And here is a headline from the CBC highlighting this story which may give some people actual hope <laughs> that the, 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 the reign of Justin Trudeau may be coming to an end. Here it is right there. NDP threatens stalling tactics and of agreement with liberals over slow pace of pharmacare talks. New Democrats privately say they fear deal with the liberals is holding them back politically. So there's the mainstream media, government, state media, Highlighting this story, very real. I've been telling people, be patient. Justin Trudeau's days are numbered. The momentum is against him. The 
winds of change seem to be blowing. And the federal NDP is now warning that a, uh, an end to this agreement between the liberals and the NDP, what they call the, the supply and confidence deal with the liberals, which is a bipartisan cooperation agreement, could be coming to an end. And that could mean an election. Now, Trudeau doesn't really need to call an election until sometime in 2025 constitutionally, but he can go earlier and can be forced to go earlier under the right conditions. If the government loses, if the governing liberals lose the confidence of the opposition parties in the House, they can be forced to call an election. And uh, I think that is where we're headed. So keep your eyes on this one, folks. Justin Trudeau's support is crumbling, both publicly and within the House of Commons itself. Now, I don't really know why the NDP would want to force an election right now, uh, but clearly... They seem to be getting ready. They must be sensing something. They must be, you know, maybe Leo is, was really on to something. Um, maybe it's because, you know, as Leo was going to, those, to the office of his local MP, it might be that the NDP is sensing that Justin Trudeau is well past his best before date. And if that is the case, then they don't want to be seen to, to, to be the party that continues to support a failing government that is on the way out, right? So they might be, you know, they might be in a position where they're hoping to get away from a sinking ship. Success breeds success, failure breeds failure. Nobody wants to be part of something that is negative. And if, uh, Jagmeet Singh is wise as a, or wises up, then maybe he's getting ready to just sever ties with JT. We had a, I had a meeting with the Prime Minister yesterday on this very point, and I made it very clear to the Prime Minister on Monday, I made it very, very clear to the Prime Minister that we expect legislation and we expect the government to take steps uh, to go beyond that. And we expect that by the, the 1st of March. Uh, and it was a tough meeting. Uh, it was clear that uh, I made it clear that we're not, uh, we're not, this is something we're very serious about. We're not going to extend this any further. Uh, we are very serious that Pharmacare has to be delivered. We need to see legislation and some additional steps. And I made that very clear to the Prime Minister. I put him on notice that we expect that by March 1st. If not, there will be repercussions. So, sequence. absolutely, so like, there will so be repercussions if the government doesn't follow through. What, what specifically are those repercussions that you're, you're, you're talking about? They'll, they'll see, but I made it very clear to the Prime Minister and to the Liberal government. If they don't follow through, they will, there will be repercussions. Repercussions. So there's that CBC article reinforcing what I've been saying. And for those of you hoping for an election, you may get your wish sooner than you think. So 
buckle up. It's going to be an interesting spring, summer, and fall, I think. I'd say look for that election in the fall. Because, look, it's February now. He has now till the 1st of March, right? 1st of March. And then after that, then you have to go through a period of time there where the, you know, the, the support from the NDP is withdrawn. Then there will be a process that unfolds and politics that's played out within the House. Following which there will be an event that will be triggered that will push the government into calling an election by going to the governor general and asking that parliament be dissolved uh, so that people can go to the polls. So that probably would all take place through March, heading into April. Now you're into spring already. Um, so maybe, you know, maybe you get a, a late spring election heading into the summer. But generally speaking, the uh, governments don't like to run elections, like actually have people go to the polls in the summer because people go away on vacations and they're distracted. They generally, uh, historically, like to wait until after uh, a summer period and then have the election sometime in the fall. And that would get us into probably September, maybe October, when people actually go to the polls with a lot of campaigning, probably an extended campaign over the summer period, head into the fall, people actually go to the polls ahead of the U.S. presidential election, which then will take place, at, you know, shortly thereafter. So I would say take a look at that. And if I'm right, I think you'll, you'll see that because, as I say, then Trudeau can piggyback on all of those issues immigration the the whole he'll he'll pin or try to pin the conservatives and polyev to the maga movement in the united states which is in his mind something negative because it will uh and and reinforce the support from his own base which sees maga as some crazy looney tune radical far-right nazi fascist uh, political movement so it'll be a, a, a an automatic wedge issue based solely on political ideology and branding and he'll try to paint polyev with the maga brush he's already tried to do it just the other day and it kind of came out ha half backwards when he said that uh under Polyev, um, Polyev wants to make Canada great again, and that's not what Canadians want. That was a faux pas, if I ever heard one. Um, that'll be used against him in the election in, uh, in video promotions, I think. So that's the way I think it's going to go down, folks. And I think the writing is on the wall and talking about that polling that indicates Canadians are more than ready to go to the polls. Here's another graphic from that uh, political action group, Canada Proud. 
It says here the majority of Canadians want an election before October 2025. Only Jagmeet Singh and the NDP stand in the way. And they've been lobbying the NDP. There's another one. Seven in ten Canadians want Trudeau out of office. But the NDP wants you to wait until October 2025 to vote him out. Sign our letter to tell the NDP that it's time for an election now. And yeah, when I say October, I mean October 2024 is when I think we're going to the polls. The only thing I think that um, might prevent that is if Trudeau is looking at the polling information and he sees that um, he's so far down in the polls in terms of public popularity that he might get scared off. Uh, and then the, that then what it would take to trigger that election is some sort of a non-confidence vote. So that could be triggered by something like, uh, it just has to be a, be a major piece of legislation that is then deemed to be as well an addition, uh, a vote of confidence. A budget is always a vote of confidence. If a, any government fails to get a budget passed, then you would generally be uh, into a position where uh, the government could be forced into an election because that's the House saying that they don't have confidence in the government to pass a budget, which means they don't have confidence in the government to run the country. I've seen that happen. So that's the way the process has to sort of unfold. We shall see. Stay with me. I'll be right back on the other side of this and we'll dig into more top news of the day. So today, I'm surfing the net, just checking out news stories. And as you know, I, I do watch quite a bit. I see a lot of Karima Saad's videos. She goes out and covers all these protests, and I, I like her work a lot. She's very consistent. She uh, covers, you know, just so much covers a lot of ground and she was out there again today uh, covering another protest. This one was in Oakville which is in the sort of the Toronto GTA zone right? For our American viewers who maybe don't know. Um, but another free Palestine protest. Yeah, they're constant at this point just happening on a constant basis. 
but this something about this one i'm not sure exactly what it is this particular video with this guy scaling a lamppost to wave a palestinian flag something about it i just found disturbing i'm gonna run it for you again this is a kareem Assad video you should check out her work uh, she she has a unique, she has a real knack for, you know, capturing just the, the right moments. She doesn't really editorialize verbally, and yet she conveys so much in terms of uh, statement and political statement, political commentary even, simply by showing the video. She's actually a very, I don't know if she even realizes this, but I think she's just um, a very intuitive news videographer and uh and a, and a great live streamer that just check this out though just i'm gonna run it and you tell me like does what is it about this does this bother you it's something about this bothers me Canadian flag on that post. But where is the Palestinian flag as he's waving it above the Canadian flag on that post? That's what bothers me about it. I don't know if that's intentional or not, but that's what's happening there. I couldn't put my finger on it at first, but that is what's bothering me. The positioning of those two flags. Would you go to another country with a Canadian flag and fly the Canadian flag above the flag of the country that you're visiting? Would you move to another country? Would you move to the United States? and then attend a protest in the United States and take your Canadian flag down there and fly it above the American flag? Or would you go to Russia and attend a protest and climb up a pole and fly a Canadian flag above the Russian flag? It bothers me. That is messaging, whether it was intentional or not, intentional or not that, that conveys a message to me that I am very, very uncomfortable with. It makes me squirm. Makes me squirm. Uh-huh. Don't like that. I'm going to check the chat. What do you guys think? Does that bother anybody in the chat? 
Anybody commenting on that? <laughs> Magic Moon says Spider-Man cousin the Scorpion. Lisa Marie says, where's the police? I don't know. They must be around there somewhere. Surely they're... They were keeping an eye on things there today. Just a dildo. Dildo? Says, I don't care about Palestine or Israel. I don't know. Does the, the flag thing bother anybody else or is it just me? All sorts says Canada is a pushover. Yeah. Yeah. Canada is. And uh, Isabel says that's disrespectful. Any other country, that would be arrest time. Yeah, it could be. In most countries, I think. Um, a lot of countries. Yeah. Isabel says it bothers her a lot. Yeah, me too. I couldn't. I couldn't quite understand it. What? What? What's? What is it about this that bothers me? I and it was. I didn't really notice the Canadian flag. It was just in the background the first time I saw that. But now, yeah, now I understand why it bothered me. Just, I just picked up on it subconsciously, I guess, and now I'm kind of more tuned into it. Let me just check the Rumble chat as well to see what your reaction is over there, guys. Let me just. Uh, Tune in over here, and we're going to go to Kevin Michalizzi soon for his reaction. Well, the he's been getting reaction over there to the Tucker-Putin interview. So Russian reaction to the Tucker-Putin interview coming up shortly here on the Maverick News Channel. Um... Dam Pam says, I don't think that flying a Canadian flag would work too well in a Muslim state, Rick. Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, 115 Sharon says, an arrogance backed up by our so-called federal representatives. Um... Mm -hmm. um, Johnny069 says, The cause, Rick, do you work for CBC? Uh, nope. No, I don't work for the CBC, nor do I think they would ever hire me. I'm pretty certain of that. And Dan Pam says, Canada is now a post-nation state, according to the libs. Yes. That is what Justin Trudeau says. And Little Farmer says, no flag should be on the same pole with our Canadian flag, period. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, there is a protocol for that, right? If you fly a flag on the same pole for any reason... It, I believe, is supposed to be below the Canadian flag. So. And, uh. Martha of the South says over 250 million have watched Tucker. 
I don't know if that's an accurate number or not. I'm seeing a bunch of different numbers. I heard like uh, whatever it is, it's astronomical. It's huge. More than the Super Bowl. The last time I you know, I checked in to see what people were saying about it. I don't know what the number is. It might could be more than that. Could be less. I I saw like one. 175 million, I think, was the number I saw earlier today. But I wouldn't be surprised, Leo, if you're absolutely if you're right, and uh, and it just it keeps on growing, right? More and more people seeing it. Uh, anyway, and the dude seven seventy eighty one says Canada is not a country anymore. That means its laws don't apply anymore. Time to part, people. Hmm. <laughs> okay. Canada's not a country anymore. Well, I know this much. There are some people who are really trying to tear it apart, who really want to. And the people who want to tear it apart are feeding people messaging just like that. So if, you know, I hear people saying, we need to save Canada, and the best way to save it is to rip it apart. Okay. A lot of, there's a lot of um, neurotic thinking and neurotic behavior out there these days. I was actually laying in bed. I do my clearest thinking when I'm, like, just laying alone and it's quiet. And I had all these contradictory um, things running through my head that, you know, these narratives that people have been fed over the past couple of years that are really designed to make people go crazy. And I think I'm going to get into that maybe tomorrow because as I, as I laid there and I thought about it, it's always bothered me ever since, um, in, 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 as long as I've worked in media. The, uh, the sensationalism, don't like it. It's always bothered me. I hated working in mainstream media when they would, you know, have me do stories or ha when they would do stories about snowstorms, for instance, coming in. It was always the worst, the worst of the worst snowstorm ever coming in. And then they would always do these, um, you know, you, you would, as I've said before, it's like, reporting designed to pe make people neurotic it's like don't drink the water because it has you know it's polluted it, it can give you cancer they'll do some story about a study that shows that and then they'll turn around and sometimes even in the same publication same newspaper or same broadcast then they'll turn around and say make sure you drink eight to ten glasses of water a day to stay fully hydrated you don't drink enough water what what are you supposed to do people it drives people crazy and i'm seeing more and more of that kind of media out there all the time and it's been taken to such an extreme level that i think it truly is affecting people's mental health now even back in the day even before the internet i would i thought the mainstream media, my, my media colleagues, we are all driving people crazy with this kind of dual messaging reporting. It is crazy stuff, crazy talk. Uh, no wonder people are losing their minds. 
and uh, and now it's at a whole new level, isn't it? And when we come back, we'll dig into some more of uh, the crazy news that's out there tonight. Joe Biden, his memory issues were front and center this week again because of, um, you know, the federal prosecutors saying, oh, we can't really charge him for the, uh, the document offenses because uh, he's really uh, getting old and can't remember a lot of things. But he can still be president. <laughs> he can't remember anything, but it's OK for him to run the country. Well, now even Joe Biden is under fire from what would normally have been friendly Democrat media like CNN and MSNBC. But here's the thing. I think it's largely turning out to be a bunch of political baffle gab and misdirection, because if you look at. The headlines, they tell you one thing, but then you read into the articles and they kind of tell you something a little bit different. So here's NBC tonight highlighting this story tonight. And uh, the headline is, could Democrats replace Biden as their nominee? Which automatically makes you think that the Democrats might be looking at replacing Joe Biden as the nominee. Very dramatic, right? It really builds up suspense and makes people think that Joe Biden might actually be on the way out because he's going senile. But then you read the subheading here and it says it is nearly impossible for the Democratic Party to replace Biden. And the president has given no indication that he intends to step aside, nor is anyone asking him to. So the headline kind of leads you down one path. The subheading gives you a little bit more information that contradicts the inference that the headline is giving you. And then you read down further into this article. And where did I go here? I need to get back into it. Just scroll down. And it says, you know, Washington is abuzz with fresh concerns about President Joe Biden's fitness after a special counsel report released Thursday raised questions about his memory. It goes on and says, but Democrats have rallied around Biden. And despite the fantasies of some pundits and anxious Democrats, the president is almost certain to be the Democratic Party's nominee as long as he wants. Both parties have moved away from the era when insiders in proverbial smoke-filled rooms could be kingmakers at the national conventions. And Biden has dominated every primary he's completed in or competed in this, this thus far. I 
I think the message here really is whoever is behind Biden and is actually running the country has decided that they want to keep him in that position, uh, probably because he's easy to control and isn't too aggressive. And, uh, and so he's likely going to be the guy. And they're telling you Biden's the guy. Says here, what happens if Biden drops out before the convention? Biden has said he will remain in the race, and there is no indication otherwise. But the only plausible scenario for Democrats to get a new nominee would be for Biden to decide to withdraw. He could do so while serving out the remainder of his term in the White House, as Lyndon Johnson did in 1968. If Biden were to drop out between now and August, it would most likely create a free-for-all at the Democratic National Convention in Chicago in August. If Biden calls it quits before he wins the majority of the Democratic delegates, it likely wouldn't make a difference, it says. Any new candidate who tried to enter the race would be unlikely to get on enough of the remaining ballots and therefore couldn't win enough delegates. Ultimately, the decision will come down to the convention delegates, or would likely come down to the convention delegates, who were initially pledged to Biden. And then it goes on and explains the process. Bottom line is, folks, it would take a heck of a lot to oust Biden. And yet, you know, he just fumbles along, stumbles along, mumbles along. <laughs> Unbelievable. It seems it seems surreal to me. But I think he will be the nominee and he will be a viable candidate for them only because they're going to they're just going to prop him up again crazy stuff that is why people are losing confidence in the entire system Trump continues to pour it on you know he is a juggernaut that's what he is steamroller Nikki Haley is nothing but cannon fodder at this point still hanging on trying to compete against Trump but he's just winning everything blowing away Whatever, I guess you could call it competition, but not really. On the on the GOP side. So it's pretty clear he will be the nominee, no matter what. And then today, he... Uh, he was calling for an end to handouts for foreign governments. In particular, handouts for... foreign wars says the U.S. should only give out loans that's kind of interesting says an end to foreign aid unless it's a loan and not just a giveaway and he did post on social media as well let me see if I can uh, get this up on the screen for you in a clean way without all these uh, ads and problems and things kind of in the way here we go I can show you this so this is what he posted on social media on truth his platform 
And there it is. He says, writing this post, from this point forward, are you listening, U.S. Senate? No money in the form of foreign aid should be given to any country unless it is done as a loan, not just a giveaway. It can be loaned on extraordinarily good terms, like no interest and an unlimited life, but a loan nevertheless. The deal should be contingent that the U.S. is helping you as a nation, but if the country we are helping ever turns against us or strikes it rich sometime in the future, the loan will be paid off and the money returned to the United States. We should never give money anymore without the hope of a payback or without strings attached. The United States of America should be stupid no longer. That's what he said in that post. And he backed it up during this speech, which I have queued for you. At least I did. Where'd you go, Donald? I had him queued up. There he is right there. So let's get this uh, clip of Trump up for you. He's just on a constant campaign now, and that, this is going to continue right through until the election. All right, you ready to go to him? Here we go, Donald Trump. Almost $100 billion to a few countries, $100 billion. And I said, and I'm, I'm telling you this, this is breaking news. We have breaking news. I said, why do we do this? If you do, you give them not $100 billion. You give it to them as a loan. It's called a loan. Give them the money. And if they can pay it back, they pay it back. If they can't pay it back, they don't have to pay it back because, you know, they're, they've got some problems. But if they go to another nation, they drop us like a dog, like a female drops a male after a date because he doesn't like her, right? <laughs> if that happens to our country, then very simply, we call the loan and we say we want our money because we give money and then they go to another side. As an example, let's say we give all this money, we were already into Ukraine for over $200 billion. And they could make a deal with Russia in the next three weeks, and all of a sudden they don't want to deal with us anymore. We've given hundreds of billions of dollars. And why are we at over $200 billion? And the European nations are, if you add them up, it's a very similar sized economy. They're $25 billion. So we're at $200 plus, and it affects them much more. We have a thing called an ocean between us, right? It affects them much more. But we're at 200, they're at 250. I did the same thing with NATO. I got them to pay up. NATO was busted until I came along. I said, everybody's gonna pay. They said, well, if we don't pay, are you still going to protect us? I said, absolutely not. They couldn't believe the answer. And everybody, you never saw more money pour in to Secretary General Stoltenberg. Well, I don't know if he is anymore, but he was my biggest fan. He said, all these presidents came in, they'd make a speech, they'd leave, and that was it. And they all owed money and they wouldn't pay it. I came in, I made a speech, and I said, you gotta pay up. They asked me that question. One of the presidents of a big country stood up and said, well, sir, uh, if we don't pay and we're attacked by Russia, will you protect us? I said, you didn't pay, you're delinquent. He said, yes, let's say that happened. No, I would not protect you. In fact, I would encourage them to do whatever the hell they want. You gotta pay, you gotta pay your bills. 
And the money came flowing in. And Henry would know this. If I said, yes, I will, you don't have to pay. Yes, I will. Most politicians have said to that, yes, we will protect you under any circumstance. Well, then they're never paying up. I said, no, no, you have to understand. You don't pay your bills, you get no protection. It's very simple. Hundreds of billions of dollars came into NATO, and that's why they have money today, because of what I did. And then I hear that they like Obama better. They should like Obama better. You know why? Because he didn't ask for anything. We were like the stupid country of the world, and we're not going to be the stupid country of the world any longer. We're not going to be. Got bad under, under this guy. And, you know, he, sp he spoke of Obama there, and you know, I was thinking about this just yesterday. If you really want to pick a moment in time when I think things really started to go south for the United States, Western countries, it was when Obama was in office. The great hope for the nation, right? The first black president. People thought, wow, you know, it's, it's finally happening. I think people were hopeful that these racial divides would diminish. But really, things just got worse as some others on this, particularly the conservative side. I remember Rush Limbaugh saying that Obama would just make it worse, and indeed, it certainly has gotten worse. On that point, he absolutely was right. And when you heard him say that he wanted to fundamentally transform America... Red flags fundamentally transform the country. What does that mean? You're seeing it. Identity politics, racial division, divisions deepened. Unprecedented levels of protesting in the streets, more violence, rising crime. Increasing debt, globalism, an embrace of globalism, poor foreign policy, an extension of U.S. aggression around the world under Obama, with the media really running cover for him, I think so that people were largely unaware. It was that moment in time. I remember when he was elected. I remember. I was in Las Vegas the night that he was elected, and I was there with uh, a couple of people who were Democrats, and they were just overjoyed. And I looked at them, and I, and I, and I said... Do you really think that things are going to change that much? Knowing what I know about politics, I, I said, well, I thought at the time, how much can that guy really change things? 
I expected, you know, just a continuation of the same kinds of policies that we'd had under previous presidents and administrations. And to some degree, I was right. It's just that it seemed like everything negative has been accentuated since then, and the positive stuff has been cut. So it's more of the same bad stuff and less of the good stuff. Uh, that's what I've observed. And, and now America is in a state of managed decline. That's a phrase that's been thrown around a lot since Obama. Trump, in his own way, kind of tried to turn things around. But, you know, as much as people were hopeful that he would bring conservatism back to the White House, as I sit and look back, even he, you know, spent like a drunken sailor. Got caught up in the, the COVID pandemic. We went through unprecedented levels of authoritarianism under his administration because of the lockdowns, which you can blame on the states if you want. But I still feel like he came up short on that front. A lot of people forgiving him. Man, that was a bad scene. Bad, bad time. Worst time. The worst time ever. Makes me wonder, what are we going to get if we get more of Trump? And what are we going to get if we get more Biden? I sure know I don't want the Biden stuff. Maybe I can forgive Trump for a lot of what he had to go through with us as a society. It comes down to a question of, for him, was he part of it? Or was he just caught flat-footed like the rest of us? Was he part of whatever global plan or action or response, however you want to view it, was he in on it or was he just trying to cope and deal with it as he went along? <coughs> I would say, I think he got caught flat-footed. I don't think they trusted him enough to bring him in on the plan because he has he gained enough wisdom from his first term in office to guide us through and restore the nation? Or is it all false hope? Is he the real deal or not? Even now, a term in office, a defeat an attempted comeback and I don't know about you but I'm still sitting here with a big question mark in front of me wondering who the good guys are and who the bad guys are what's the best way forward what does the future hold who do you support I don't know anymore it's, it's things just don't still just don't feel right
just don't feel right. Stay with me. When we come back, we'll, we'll be joined by Kevin Michalizzi over in Crimea, who will be talking about the Tucker Carlson-Vladimir Putin interview. Kevin has been uh, over in Crimea talking to people from Russia about, you know, the way they view Tucker Carlson, their reactions to the interview. And he's also going to tell us about the kinds of media reports that are now flowing in response to that, that you know, milestone or historic interview, even some people are saying, with Vladimir Putin. Uh, so he'll, he'll explain what he is seeing over there. He'll fill us in and also talk to us about the kind of propaganda that people in Russia are being subjected to after, uh, after this, this interview between this American journalist and the president of Russia. Stay with me. Greetings, brave mavericks. Our quest for truth continues. We go beyond fake news. Together we expose propaganda. Together we pull others out of rabbit holes. We are maverick thinkers. We are all unique individuals, individuals, defenders of individual rights and freedoms, credible, trusted, grounded in reality. Maverick News, Maverick News. Defending free speech, free speech, speech. Donate at freedomreporters.com. Do it now. Tomorrow may be too late. Too late, too late, too late. Maverick News. The world is watching. vibrations. Our quest continues. The truth is out there. Kevin Michalizzi, welcome back to the program. Great to have you here again. Thank you for joining us. Always glad to be here, Rick. Thanks for inviting me again. I'm excited to talk to you today because we had uh, probably, you know, the biggest media event of the year just in the last couple of days, if not maybe the decade, 
uh, the Tucker yep. Carlson interview with Vladimir Putin. Give me your your first impressions, uh, and I'm excited to hear from you because you're sitting over there in Crimea, Crimea with a different perspective. Well, you know, uh, for me, Putin totally controlled that interview, and uh, Tucker was way out of his league. Um, I think Tucker Carlson went into it with an idea of, I'm going to ask these questions and I'm going to accomplish this. And it was painfully obvious that uh, he had absolutely no control over that interview at all. Yeah, you know, so, I, I said something very similar, but I think you, uh, you, you, you were a little more polished in your delivery on that front. Uh, it, it was very obvious from the beginning that, uh, that Putin had the upper hand, uh, especially starting with that half-hour history lesson, which uh, I know that sort of annoyed Tucker Carlson a little bit. He wanted to just get to the point, but Putin yeah. was like, no, 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 you need to know this. Yeah, are are we doing a show or are we having a conversation? A talk so. show, yeah, talk show or serious yeah. conversation, which I, which uh, you know, really instantly put Tucker Carlson in his place. Yeah, and it's interesting because, you know, Putin is a master at controlling the situation like that, and you know. It's, some of the propaganda I've seen, I, I saw the reports today from like the Wall Street Journal, and uh, I've actually got a video coming out uh, a little later tonight that uh, actually calls out the actual propaganda there where they say that he accused the journalist that's in jail, uh, uh, falsely accused him of espionage. And... Uh, you know, this was part of the interview. And what they were saying in this article was that Putin, you know, falsely accused them and he went on a rant. Um, you know, that seems to be the Western press's favorite word these days is Putin is ranting. Uh, but, you know, he very calmly said, you know, the guy was caught doing this and that's espionage. And just to make sure my mind is still there on things like that, I went out to the Department of Defense and looked up their definition of espionage. And it is, you know, gathering confidential information uh, illegally. So uh, this journalist, if it had been a Russian journalist, if it had been an American journalist collecting the same kind of information this guy did, he would have uh, he would have gone to prison in the United States. So, uh, you know, the spin on it is amazing. Uh, I saw another Western article today. It said Tucker Carlson's connection with Russia has been revealed. In 2006, he performed in the American show Dancing with the Stars with his Russian partner, Yelena Granko. Now, I don't know if it's true or not. I he was, he was on dance. It is true. He was on yeah. dancing with stuff. Okay, it's, well, it but it's it's definitely his tie to Putin. So <laughs> okay. he, he's then. obviously a, a Putin puppet. <laughs> I've forgotten with all a Russian. That. What more does it take? That's it. That's it. If you if you speak to a Russian, you're an operative. <laughs> if yeah, you well, dance with one, you're a spy. 
That's right. <laughs> well, no so. wonder right? she she uh, his his dad's partner was uh, absolutely compromised him. Right? It's the oldest trick in the book. You use a sexy dad's partner to, yep. to get the red you know, sparrow technique. To, yeah, he had to get state secrets <laughs> <laughs> on national television. Well, she yeah. was whispering. Well, he was whispering state secrets into her ear. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. I'd, but, I'd totally forgotten about that. Yeah. Oh, but my. yeah, the the whole rant thing, you know, it's like, well, he went on a rant about the history, and you know, they said Tucker Carlson was annoyed, and and that's where they stop. Hmm. Well, Carlson was annoyed at first, but at the end of the uh, interview, he did his after video and he says you know i was annoyed i didn't want to go into the history but he says when he finished it i understood he was laying the groundwork for the question i asked him so and you know putin certainly is not a ranter yeah he spelled out his reasons he gave a very reasoned and um reasoned response with with evidence and documentation so you know that the thing that yeah. struck the thing that struck me about it is it was clear putin knew that question was coming and he came prepared not just yeah. with verbal a verbal explanation but documents to back up what he was saying so very thorough yeah and, and that was a nighttime rant. toilet reading that was, yes yeah that was not a rant that was uh that was a learned history lesson for someone who was yeah. otherwise ignorant who needed to know well, you know r reality is is a lot of westerners would fall asleep during that first 30 minutes yeah. um you know i don't think that was his point i think it was really trying to educate people about you know russian history the russian empire's history and uh you know like i say i've, I've got a a video coming out here in just a little bit that uh you know it, the gentleman is a former ukrainian soviet citizen and he explained to me that russians a lot of times he said he even did that with his former girlfriend she would ask him a question and he felt like he had to give her context so he would start back at adam and eve and go forward from there and uh you know, if you understand the Russian mindset, this is what they do. Uh, you know, I often complain to my wife. I, I ask her what time it is. She tells me how to build a watch. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you uh, uh, when you when you watch that, uh, it, it's it's all very convincing. It, it is a, uh, a history lesson. History is, of course, though, is open to interpretation. So I can understand how some people mm -hmm. might want to you know, rebut some of what he said. But um, I, I was appreciative of, of listening to that because it does give proper context. And I don't think people here in the West um, have any idea, uh, uh, no no clue as to what Russian history is about. We yeah, don't, we exactly. Don't about that over here. Not at all. So it was absolutely necessary for people to understand where, he, where he's coming from when he says that Ukraine has always sort of been part of Russia. So I understand the argument. Yeah. Except for the part that was Poland. <laughs> well, I mean, and, and then, you know, when whenever it's something political, I always say that uh, 
where history comes into play, any politician or world leader is going to have their view of history because there can't right. be many views of history. So uh, that's that's something academic and is maybe open for more discussion or scrutiny by historians who are other politicians. So I do. I always try to look at both sides of the story. But, yeah, I, I get it. And this thing with yeah. the, the Wall Street Journal um, journalist, Evan Gersh, Gershkovich, I can't ever pronounce yep. his name right, Gershkovich. Um, yeah, I mean, the law is the law is the law. And even with Julian Assange, I'm always trying to remain sort of neutral on it, be open to looking at all sides of the issue. The same thing with with this particular case here. And and Russian law applies to this Wall Street Journal journalist who is now in jail. If you're over there and I can't say for sure what the evidence is, but if someone is taking in secret information from the government and you're in their country uh, and it, that's an illegal activity, then that's an illegal activity, whether you're a journalist or not. Uh, so, yeah, you know, you only get the side where the American journalist got arrested, but so did the guy that was giving him the information. There was actually an exchange of confidential information. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, you know, his argument is, you know, the journalist's argument is, well, you know, I was just doing journalism. Well, you were receiving top secret information. They like say Julian Assange, you know, you could apply the same thing there. And the United States is. Mm -hmm. Now, the difference is, is the United States is reaching overseas and pulling them in. Russia got this guy in the country. Right. Yep. You know, and then I guess you, you start to look at, you know, the, the new rules based international order and who, you know, jurisdiction and uh, sovereignty and all of these questions come into play. And how much reach does the United States, are they allowed to have around the world? So, I mean, those are, you know, some of the other issues here. But uh, not that I want to get into the Assange thing. I'm, I'm just saying I'm always trying yeah. to sort of remain neutral as a journalist and remain open to all sides of uh, an argument. But even in this case, you know, as Putin is laying out his case, yeah, the guy's in, the, in Russia. He's, you know, it's not, he, there's no special immunity for a journalist right. when it comes to, you know, taking in well, or, or getting secret government documents. Yeah. And the other thing people need to understand is that the United States applies the U.S. law to everybody in the world. But the U.S. law is not Russian law. It's not, you know, it's not German law. It's not Chinese law. And they do vary, you know. It's, From country to country, uh, to country, yeah. You know, the basketball player, yeah. The, you know, the oils, the you know, THC oils or whatever she had. Right, right. Perfectly legal in the United States. Yeah. Here, it's a 10-year prison sentence. Yeah, what was her name? I, I don't follow women's basketball. I don't Grimes. remember. No, that's, no, 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 no. Um, I can't remember her name. I just don't follow women's basketball. Yeah, I um, don't either. I'll get her name here. Brittany Griner. Brittany yeah. Grimes, yeah. <laughs> Brittany Griner. Yeah, Grimes is Griner. Uh, 
Elon Musk's uh, love interest. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. My, yeah. Oh, the names. It, it's just uh, it's so crazy. You know, the other thing that really put Tucker back on his heels, I think, is when Putin made reference to Tucker's desire at one point to work for the CIA. I had no idea. <laughs> what was your reaction to that? Uh, you know, uh, it doesn't surprise me. And it just shows that Putin is prepared for any situation he goes into. You can see the former KGB in him. And, you know, people say, oh, well, you know, it's the people he surrounds himself with and he makes these things up. But think about it. He went through that two-hour interview with no cue cards, no teleprompter, just off the top of his head. And he can spew facts and dates. No, the, the guy I was interviewing today about it, he said Putin showed his human side. He said it, for him it was good because Putin showed that he was a real human being because he did have a couple of minor mistakes in his history. Maybe it was a, you know, a year off in dates or just a couple of minor things throughout the interview that weren't quite correct. Most of them he caught himself and corrected. But can you imagine Joe Biden going for two hours in an interview and remembering his name without a cue card? Uh, well, all this is going on with Putin. Biden is over here. Uh, you know, <laughs> suffering under a, a barrage of media scrutiny because of his memory issues. Yeah. Um, what a contrast. It, over here, it, is, it looks like such a clown show. Yeah. Uh, I, <laughs> it, it, it really... It, so all this against a backdrop of propaganda and... You know, yep. we were bombarded with propaganda leading up to the interview. We were now we're getting, you know, the after interview propaganda with a variety of narratives. Um, but after the, the wanted to sanction him. Yeah. 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 Um, I don't know that any of that has actually happened, but uh, I guess it remains to be seen. But I'm interested to find out what kind of information or information warfare you've been seeing where you're at because surely you're receiving or people in your area in Crimea are being subjected to different kinds of messaging than we're getting here. Well, you know, as it comes to this interview, uh, it's almost like the Russians have been worshiping Tucker Carlson for having the nerve to come and talk to Vladimir Putin. Now, you know, they also have been saying, Tucker Carlson is the only Western journalist who has come to Russia to interview Putin in the last two years. And that's not true. You know, he's the only one who's gotten an interview with Putin, but there have been several journalists who have come here and wanted to interview him. Most of them get turned away. And, uh, you know, Putin isn't going to sit down with the Wall Street Journal. They've got a, a bureau chief in Moscow. I've spoken to her. 
and uh, you know she can't get in to see him. Uh, BBC has been banned in Moscow, so primarily because of you know them pulling off Russian uh, channels in the UK. Mm-hmm. So we do hear you know the Russian side of things, and you know. Most Russians are bright enough to look beyond what the government is telling them and what the state media is telling them and to look beyond that. But then we don't have, you know, Western news censored from us. Uh, you know, if you listen to the Russian news, the propaganda we get here is, you know, Joe Biden is an absolute idiot. Uh, That's not necessarily propaganda. Well, maybe, but but yeah. let's be as tactful as Putin, you know. This is, well, it, is, it isn't my position to, you know, diagnose him. So <laughs> that's right. Oh my! So over in 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 your area, you're you're still getting sort of unfiltered Western media, and you can still watch all of that. Oh, absolutely. That, that's where if you look at my videos that I've been putting out on this, um, I'm poking fun at the Western media. I, I have access to all of it. Okay. And um, after the interview, a lot of lot, like social media, I think, is really where you're getting, you know, a lot of propaganda um, yeah. from a lot of different sources, you know, here. Before the interview actually dropped, there was a transcript that came out the night before. And yeah, it was a transcript. Of, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, how, first of all, it made no sense to me. Why would Tucker allow it to be released unless Putin would release it? But he has no real reason to do that. No. So that didn't make sense. It, why would it even be out there? Uh, then I read it and it just seemed like it was just full of cliches. It was telling. <clears throat> a story that I knew some people wanted to hear and the, but it didn't make sense to me. Um, didn't sound like what Vladimir Putin would say. I knew the interview was two hours long. The transcript was only two pages. So there was no way that that was the entire transcript. Right. Then I went searching and I found that the, uh, the Kremlin had actually responded to questions about it from at least one media outlet, other media outlet, and had issued a statement as a response and uh, they said that it was fake. So I was like, this is fake. Yeah. 100% and, fake. And in the end now, if you go and you compare it, it's totally different. It's totally different. Yeah. 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 So, you know, it was it was good guesses as to what Putin would say, but they weren't answers that he would give. Right. That's exactly right. So yeah. like this, this is not accurate. No way. Can't yeah. be. And then the, the interview. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say he's too smooth. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. And he's and he's too diplomatic. Right. He's yeah. not some of the language. Just it's just too blunt for him. So there, there was just no way that that was authentic. Um, so I, I alerted people because. You know, I, I think that um, nobody I don't think anybody should be out there putting words into Vladimir Putin's mouth. I think <laughs> it can actually be dangerous, especially given the current political situation that we're facing and the possibility of war escalating. 
Um, so then this interview drops. And then what did what have you been seeing online since then in terms of propaganda or responses or information? Uh, you, you put out a video yesterday, I think, that um, laid out some of what you've been seeing. Yeah, I did yesterday and again today. So, you know, some of the things I've seen that I haven't put in videos yet is I see a lot of news that, oh, the questions were curated. Putin had them in advance. Uh, it was one of the requirements that Tucker gave them to him. No, it very well could be, but the man still answered any questions off the top of my head. He's the president of the largest territory on the earth. And, you know, it isn't like Tucker Carlson shows up, gives them a list of questions and, you know, and a day later they sit down and, you know, Putin's memorized all this stuff because he had nothing else to do. Uh, you know, we see on a daily basis, Putin has talked to this world leader. He's attended this summit. He's done this. I don't know how he does it. Um, you know, so a lot of the social media propaganda is, you know, the questions were known in advance. Tucker was only allowed to ask what he was told he could ask. Um, and that isn't Tucker Carlson either. I think Tucker asks what he wants to ask, mm -hmm. but I also think he understands the mindset much better. He says he's never been in Russia, but you know, maybe because of his dance partner, <laughs> but, um, you know, it's just a different mindset. A lot of these Western journalists come in and Putin will try to answer something and they'll try to drive the conversation and Putin will get in their face about it. And Tucker didn't do that. So he handled it well, but it was like a fifth grader interviewing the university professor. Yes. Um, you know, social media on the Russian side, there's a lot of, you know, Putin has done our country great good and the whole world will know that we're right and, you know, we are not a bad country. And reality is, is the only people who are going to listen to that are the people who already understand that or believe that. Um, it isn't going to change any minds. It really, you know, the the Westerners who are against Russia are going to continue bashing it. So, you know, all you have to do is open up your phone, open up Telegram, and, you know, you're lambasted with propaganda. You don't, so you don't think that the interview was strong enough to sway public opinion a little bit one way or the other? No, I'm I, so I sure. think the pro-Ukrainian anti-Russian guys will remain pro-Ukrainian anti-Russia. I think the pro-Russian anti-Ukrainian guys will remain pro-Russian. Maybe some people who are on the fence will go out and actually look at things for a change. That's a possibility. I mean, that's what I encourage people to do is actually look at a story and look at the other side. And this is really where I give Tucker Carlson respect 
he said this in his you know his pre-video why am i doing this because i'm a journalist so he's doing what other people should should have been doing quite honestly he's doing what western diplomats should be doing going and talking to the other side so if nothing else i hope people will see that there's a benefit to hearing the other side whether you agree with their not. maybe you will learn a little something yeah i, I agree with that and do you, so you see this almost as a a peace mission uh, maybe yeah. you know knowing knowing tucker carlson i'd i'd see it as a you know because he had the contact is make tucker carlson a bunch of money mission mm -hmm. <laughs> so. that's, that's true that's very true why do you think vladimir putin decided to speak to tucker carlson but not other journalists who put in the request i think because putin knows that tucker carlson would not be one of those brash western journalists who comes in and tries to lambaste him and drive the conversation um you know even even when i've seen these these people come in the cnn guys in particular when they interview him you know they don't care what he has to say they have their questions they want the answer that they want and if they don't get it then they're going to beat on putin about it now putin still maintains his calm he still will stop them and say let me answer the question yes much like he did with with tucker but i think he knew that with the way tucker carlson has been with his quite honestly pro-russian stance on things he says he's neutral and he wants people to make up their own minds but historically he's been pro-russian he mm -hmm. sees the fallacy in you know this war and you know i think he's he's intelligent enough that putin said you know i can have a conversation with this man i can present our side of the story and put it out there um you know maybe some people will learn the truth about the minsk agreements twice the minsk agreements i learned through that interview i wasn't aware of this there was actually an agreement before the minsk agreements that the germans and i don't remember who he said uh signed that was before the minsk agreements and they didn't keep that either so you know my biggest fear in this interview is that a lot of the westerners are going to look at it and say putin was lying because that's what they've been told over and over and over. I'm even seeing that propaganda in the Western press right now, is Putin lied about this, he lied about that. He lied about being a Christian man. You know, he's going out and killing people and no Christian man would do that. Well, they're kind of taking what Tucker asked him and what he answered, and they're twisting it a little bit nothing they're saying is false but this is propaganda it isn't always a falsehood it's just kind of twisting it a little bit so that you know it means something different than what was said no yeah. putin is a is a christian man russia's a, a primarily christian nation has been for a long time 
but Putin was very clear to point out Buddhists, Muslims, Islamists, they all live here and they live in peace together. They respect each other. But this is a predominantly Orthodox Christian nation. Putin goes to church. He isn't a, you know, let me go on Christmas and I'll wave at the news reporters and say, see what a godly man I am. He goes to church. Uh, you know, he celebrates the holidays with his people, not just a church, you know, like in the U.S., the presidents go to a particular church. He goes to whatever church in the area he happens to be. He'll actually travel to go to another one for a religious holiday. So he does believe in this. But on the other hand, a leader of a country has to do what a leader of a country thinks he has to do. How do people over there view Tucker Carlson? Oh, they think he is an absolute godsend. You know, what would they have done without sending Tucker Carlson to bring Putin's message to the world? And again, it's kind of a skewed viewpoint, but, you know, this is what people think of it. Pretty interesting stuff. Um, where do you think things go from from here, Kevin? Is this going to die down? I, I I did see a report, and I don't know if it's true, that Tucker Carlson followed up his interview with Vladimir Putin by interviewing Edward Snowden. Had you heard that, or is there any confirmation I, of that out there that you've seen? I haven't heard that. I, I've seen rumors of it, yeah. but I knew that I do know that Tucker Carlson left Moscow the next day. Okay, so I don't know that that can even be possible. So that in itself could be it, a, a bit of a misdirection. It is possible because they actually recorded this interview on the 6th. So okay. two days before it was released. All right. Yeah, you know, I think over here, public the public's attitude toward the war is shifting. It has been for a while. There's less and less support for the war. And... Uh, mm -hmm more and more pressure coming online to discontinue the funding and the supply of arms to Ukraine. Um, you know, it, and, and then you're seeing the Republicans over here put, putting pressure on the Democrats through this issue and, indirectly by tying it to the border issue on the U.S.-Mexico border saying, you know, if the Democrats don't, you know, lock down that border, we're not going to support any more funding for Ukraine. It's it's yeah. very interesting how this is playing out. And then that all is yeah. tied to this this idea that the United States might, you know, pl be plunged into some sort of a civil war. And you see Marjorie Taylor Greene saying that what's needed is a national divorce. It's amazing how this whole thing with Tucker Carlson and the you know the war in ukraine has now provided such blowback into the united states that there are even people and i don't know how close we're really we really are to the country breaking up i think we're still a long way off from that but just I even having that yeah. narrative out there i'm like amazed that people are you know even talking that way and it's all kind of tied to what happened over there with tucker and vladimir putin amazing stuff well, it's interesting to me that you have Republicans that have 
no intention of giving money to Ukraine, saying they'll give money to Ukraine by tying it to what they know the Democrats aren't going to fund. So they're both refusing to fund one side or the other, and yet both saying, well, if you fund our side, then we'll fund your side. And it's all, you know, again, I... I have to use the word propaganda just so people get used to the fact that it isn't necessarily, you know, telling lies to people. You have an election coming up in the United States. The Democrats want to win. The Republicans want to win. So they're going to do everything that they can. Now, I think my, I don't remember it was my first video or second video that I sent to you. Um, you know, they had, uh, some of the uh, politicians talking about, you know, there were, you know, Tucker Carlson was pro-Russian. He went there and interviewed Putin. He's a traitor. And then they say, but we had eight Republican senators there uh, celebrating the 4th of July in Moscow. And this guy interviewed Putin and this guy went over there you know so republicans are all puppets of putin now what i hear in that is republicans are bad vote democratic you know we we could make the other argument and you know it would be equally fair for the republicans to say well you know the Democrats went to Ukraine. They gave them money. They gave them weapons. You know, they, you know, they're all bad. Vote Republican. And this is what I'm hearing on all this. For me, it's just a conditioning people for this upcoming election in the United States. I think it is nothing more than that. What did you make of the references to Canada in this interview and um, again uh, talking about the um, the, the Ukrainian SS, SS officer Yaroslav Hunka uh, appearing in Parliament and what Vladimir Putin had to say about that. What what did you make of that? I I think it was his you know poke at Canada in you know G. You're a harbor for Nazis too. Now, you know, it started in the context of ultra-nationalists in Ukraine and then, you know, what, it, what does denazification mean? And, you know, so it was kind of a poke at the West in general. I think Canada just happened to be the, you know, the weak kids standing in front of the group that got, you know, punched in the nose, but uh, you know, yes, they have Nazis in Ukraine. They have some Nazis in Ukraine. They have ultra-nationalists in Ukraine, certainly Banderites, but the United States has them too. You know, the Ku Klux Klan is, is a classic example. They've got, you know, all these, you know, I'm not going to poke at mega people, but, um, you know they've they've got their right wing nationalists as well so you know again here's some of the propaganda you're getting from russia you know 
I know there's a big Ukrainian population in Vancouver, but, and they did, I don't know, purposefully or otherwise have this SS guy. And, you know, you've got Zelensky, you know, clapping and, you know, all of them clapping. And I debate if any of them really had any idea other than maybe, maybe Zelensky. I think it comes down to just Putin getting to take and punch somebody in the West in the eye. I, yeah. you know, I don't view Canada as having a big Nazi problem. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there are some. There yeah. are some. There are some in Russia. There are some in Ukraine. There are some in the United States. There are some in Canada. Uh, yeah, small little pockets of neo-Nazism out there, no doubt about it. And that guy yeah. absolutely was a, a World War II SS um, soldier. So, you know, no, no question about it. I just think that it was ignorance, uh, lack of um, education. You have a bunch of members yeah. of parliament who probably didn't even read the the agenda because they're lazy yeah. and they uh, on cue stood up like a bunch of trained seals and just applauded for some guy up on the second level who is uh, yeah. like, yay, not realizing what the heck had just happened. But that's me. Well, it, re it reminds me of the, the U.S. Congress doing it when, you know, Zelensky comes and gives them a Ukrainian flag and mm -hmm. Pelosi wraps it around her shoulders. Eh, showmanship. Right. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm not sure where to go with the interview from here. Is there, um, is there a, much of a difference then, Kevin? Do you, do you think between the messaging that you guys are getting over there from the the American side because today I'm I'm looking at uh, online and I see clips of Chris Wallace, who says that um, Tucker Carlson calling Tucker Carlson a useful idiot is an insult to useful idiots, and then of course <laughs> criticizes Tucker Carlson saying that he threw Vladimir Putin softballs. Um, I, I didn't know this, but Chris Wallace had at some point in the past had interviewed Vladimir Putin and uh, and I think he did exactly what you um, suggested many Western journalists do is he went in there with antagonistic questions for Vladimir yes. Putin saying, how come so many of your opponents end up dead? Right. Um, not very tactful. And he ran that little clip in the middle of his criticism of Tucker Carlson. Uh, so that's the kind of stuff we're getting over here is that uh, Tucker Carlson is a, um, you know, a Russian stooge that he's just uh, giving, he's a mouthpiece for the Kremlin, that he has no credibility, that Vladimir Putin has been lying, lied through the whole interview, shouldn't pay attention to it. It's just, a, you know, it's a barrage of that right now. Yeah, we see that over here, but we see it from the West. You know, here again, it is you know they they appreciate that tucker carlson did what he did they really believe that if tucker carlson wanted to that all he would have to do is ask putin and putin would give him 
you know, citizenship and a job in the Russian media. And, you know, is it true? Who knows? But that's the kind of things we're hearing over here. We do see both sides of the picture. And, you know, it's, I, I hate to say the Russians are just as brainwashed in, in, in things as Westerners, but, you know, this is what they're getting is, you know, this was the best thing to happen. And so you know, this, give the guy a job, give him yeah. citizenship, let him live here. And quite so honestly, this, yeah, if he yeah. wanted to, they probably would let him. Yeah. Yeah. At this point, I would say they, they probably would. Yeah. Uh, journalist or propagandist in your, in your view? Carlson? I I wouldn't call him a propagandist, but I I would say he's a shrewd journalist who knows how to run with a story to make himself money. Allegedly. Mm -hmm. And you know, I I think he is a skilled journalist. I do. I do think his questions were a little soft. But I don't know if they were soft because he went in expecting to give soft questions or if it was the fact that he was just intimidated by Putin. I think that's a pretty fair assessment. I, I think you have to go into an interview like that feeling intimidated. I think you have to be mindful of the situation you are in. Um, the kind of person you are interviewing. And I think people should be mindful of that in this way. You know, you can't go into that interview with a, a man as powerful as Putin without in the back of your head thinking, how am I going to get out of this country <laughs> without him landing in jail or something, right? Same thing if I, like even here, I have the same thing in the back of my head when I'm talking about Justin Trudeau. Like, is he going to freeze my bank accounts? Or am I going to end up yes. in jail? Right. It's like you're always gauging who it is you're speaking to and you're adjusting the tone of your questions accordingly. Right. If, yeah. if for, even if for no other reason than simply to be respectful. And I think that yeah. he was he wasn't antagonistic. He did ask some tough questions, but I could see as well that, you know, that there were some things like th that he wanted to get answers to. So he was careful about asking those, but they weren't antagonistic questions. So I think he genuinely wanted Putin to explain why um, this special military operation was was launched, to explain to the people why. That was, I think, integral. That's why he started with it. But then other questions, yeah. instead of doing the Chris Wallace, why do so many of your opponents end up dead? And he could have yeah. done that even with um, maybe a reference to the Prigozhin plane crash. Right. Yeah. Um, but didn't do that. He asked more from um, a philosophical point of view. How do you as a world leader reconcile being a Christian or religious and, man and killing and, all these and people, yeah. killing people, which is what any world leader um, is, is always faced with. Right. If you have to go to war or defend your country in some way, you sometimes have to give the order to kill people. And that is something that I've thought of you know i don't know if i'd want the job because of that reason i wouldn't but you know the people who 
would go in there like the Chris Wallace and say, well, but you aren't a Christian because you do this. Right. A guy like that has actually never read the Bible. You know, when, when that question came up and they were discussing it, I, I was really surprised that Putin didn't point out that there's been holy wars for an awful long time, and the Christians tend to be the worst at killing people. Yeah. I mean, yeah, as far as yeah. the worst killers of people. Yes. Yeah, historically, that's, that's true. Um, you know, it, you know I, think, I, I think sometimes of world leaders as like gangsters in that, that respect, you know. And so it's um, when you have that much power, I think that it is, uh, uh, it's very tempting to abuse it. You know, it, it's it, power can be very corrupting. And uh, I think that, you know, I did watch just before we came online, um, Tucker Carlson's video that he posted post Putin interview, giving yeah. his own reaction to it. And, um, you know, he, he talked about how the West, and it is true, you know, that they wanted to, the, the United States has been trying to destabilize Russia and even maybe yes. break it up, right? And he's like, are you crazy? And I think he's as, uh, he, he, I agree with him that you do not want a destabilized Russia. You don't want uh, a weak leader um, presiding over a country that has, if not the largest, maybe the second largest nuclear stockpile in the world. You, well, you want to leave, you want to divide that up a bunch of, a bunch Among, of weirdos a bunch that of, yeah yeah no yeah i i agree because any one of them or many of them would be willing to say ah oh, okay i'm gonna push the button yeah yeah so, so oh. you know the the one thing that i i have to say tucker carlson had a had a big set of brass cojones on is asking for the release of that journalist. I I can't imagine he really had expectations that Putin would say, oh, well, Tucker, buddy, old pal, you asked me, so yeah, here you go. Go pick them up, take them home with you. I can't believe that Tucker Carlson really believed that would happen. But I have seen, even in the Russian media now, all these stories coming out today that, there's a chance that Putin will let him go. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen unless the United States trades somebody. But I don't know. I, I can't figure out what Tucker Carlson was expecting to get out of that question. I would think that if, if nothing else, just to draw attention to it and maybe uh, push a little bit to get some momentum going to yeah. maybe... Uh, in the end affect a release of some kind just to to get something going with it because it has been sort a of year. stagnant yeah it's just been yeah. it's idle right so well, i can understand nobody's that. talking to each other right i think that was that was tough questions that carlson gave him is why haven't you spoken to to uh biden you've got this going on and Yes, the Ukrainians say they won't negotiate, so I understand that you can't negotiate with them even though you're willing, but 
why haven't you picked up the phone and called Biden? I think that was a fair question, and I don't know that Putin's response was really reasonable. Speaking of you know negotiations, a couple of references in that that interview to sitting down at the table to talk peace. So, you know, in that way, I think the interview was was very positive because yeah. if uh, if Joe Biden isn't willing to pick up the phone to call or, or pick the phone up to answer a call from from Putin um, and Putin has been hasn't seen a point in trying to talk to Biden then or Zelensky, then then maybe this interview is, um, you know, first step toward that. And in that way, maybe it was a. Uh, he was a peace emissary. Peace, yeah. Dude. And I, I found his answer about Zelensky and, you know, ending the war to be factual. He did run on a platform of bringing peace to uh, eastern Ukraine and then didn't follow through with it. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think it was, I can't say it was a naive answer because... Putin is anything but naive, but to say, well, you know, yes, he has, you know, nationalists in his government and they tell him what he can and can't do, but he's the president of the country. He should just do it. And, you know, for a Putin, that's perfectly reasonable. Putin would simply say, you will do this. Um, so I think it was kind of a naive view of Zelensky, you know, Zelensky. Yeah, he's Jewish and, you know, Zelensky. Yeah, he's president. But, you know, after the coup in 2014, the the nationalists have run that government. Do you think he and was... I, yeah. we often hear that if he was to say, you know what, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to negotiate or even if he was going to sign that peace accord in Turkey, that they would just eliminate him. He he wouldn't wake up the next morning. As as they say in Russia and Ukraine, he would commit suicide with two bullets to the back of his head. Right. Do you uh, do you think Putin was trying to send um, a message? I mean, obviously he's trying to send a message, but when he says, you know, let's come to the table and negotiate peace. What I was getting from it was, it was like, talk peace now. It's time to end this thing. It, let's, let's sit down and, and, and come to a resolution on, on this war. But it's going to be on his terms, right? Yes. So, but if you don't, it's going to get a whole lot worse, is the yeah. unspoken part of this that I was getting from the interview. Yeah. And rumors here, this is kind of what we hear on this end, is that he fully in intends to take everything on the east side of the Dnieper River and down around under Odessa, because he feels that's the only way he can prevent Crimea from ever being attacked. Right. And here in the West, the powers that be seem to think that a peace deal has to involve Putin giving up Crimea. And I just can't see that happening at all. 
So it won't. I think the people here are insane. It won't ever happen. Actually, I hear rockets going over us right now. So, Are you being serious? Yeah, I'm being serious. Oh, my God. It, it was a launch from us towards Ukraine. So the war continues over there in a very real the way for you. Yeah. Oh my God. We had yeah. uh, we had ten or eleven drones the other night that were shot down. Yeah, it's it's a daily thing here. Yeah. Well, Kevin, um, you know, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, it's unfortunate that uh, you're living in that reality over here. I I can tell you that people are still very insulated um, for. Canadians, and I think probably for most Americans, unless they've been to war, uh, this is like watching a movie. So it's not real yeah. for people. Uh, even these discussions uh, are very, I think, to them, academic and maybe a form of, unfortunately, entertainment, because mm -hmm. we've just never had to live through it. And uh, I pray that well, we, we don't have to endure that. But um, well, you too can send a check to Ukraine and have your name written on a shell to be fired at Russia. Right. Yeah. Or and, the opposite way. Yes. Yeah. Um, and you know, hope you know. I, I I hope that things don't destabilize over here. But the way the world is going, and with those rockets flying over your head, um, <laughs> all I can say is pray for peace and hope that the uh, the call for negotiations and for both sides to come to the table, which Vladimir Putin spoke of in that interview. I hope that does come to fruition. Yeah, I agree. Is there anything else you'd like to add, Kevin? It's been, uh, we're just getting near the uh, top of the hour here, so um, probably time to wrap up. I'll just throw it over to you for a final thought. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I anything that I have said about people listening to the other side of the story when it comes to the Putin interview. You have to do the same thing with any of the conflicts going on right now. Israel, Hamas, the Palestinians. You know, pull the Palestinians out of it, other than the fact that they, they're a bunch of people who are getting slaughtered. You know, when you look at Hamas and Israel, they're both masters at propaganda. And I'll be taking some pokes at them on my information warfare channel here shortly. So, um, you know, just look at both sides of the story. Pretend you're a diplomat. Listen to both sides. Look where people agree, where they have their differences, and make your decision on things based on that. Same thing I say every time. That's right. And uh, just... Tell people again how they can view your work when you're not here. Well, I stole your banners in the studio today, so okay. here's both my channels. Um, I'm actually splitting the information warfare stuff off onto a different channel. So um, right now I'm streaming that stuff on both channels, but uh, we'll take it primarily to the InfoWars press channel soon. The other one, you want to hear about life in Russia, what it's like to live in Crimea in, near a war zone, um, what life is like on a daily basis, go to the, uh, the American Crimea channel instead. Excellent. All right, Kevin Michalitsi, thank you. As always, a privilege.
Thanks, Rick. It is my my privilege to be with you. Exile The Knights of Malta Maverick News Join us. The world is watching. The New World Order Government Overreach The Great Reset Mainstream Media Lies now more than ever, independent voices are needed. Donate now at freedomreporters.com. That's freedomreporters.com. Maverick News, the antivirus program for your mind. Bring the microphone back up. There we go. Looks like we have audio again, and we're going to go to the phones here. You can join the conversation at 1-888-722-1071. 1-888-722-1071. You can also support the show by donating at maverickdonations.com right there there's the URL maverickdonations.com or you can also support us at freedomreporters.com and again I do still have some of these these shirts with the Maverick News logo embroidered right there embroidery and <coughs> excuse me any donation of sixty dollars or more and i will send you a shirt uh you can also get a hoodie or a sweatshirt uh just let me know what size you want and i'll send it along with a, a donation of thirty dollars or more i can send you a t-shirt again just tell me what size you need when you make the donation just leave a notation in the system and i will send it along to you Really appreciate the ongoing support. And we do have this new phone system that I've integrated. Hopefully tonight it, um, it works okay. Um, I think I've made a bit of an improvement to it in the, uh, in the settings so that when the calls come in, we won't hear the, the ringy dingy in the background as we were last night. But we'll give it another shot tonight and see how well the system works this time around. Um, you can also support us by liking, sharing, subscribing. If you're over on one of our YouTube channels tonight, uh, please hit the notification bell if you are subscribed or if you are subscribing. That will make sure that you receive a notification every time we post a new video. And we really would appreciate you considering subscribing to our two Rumble channels. That would help us immensely. You know, also, we're over on TikTok. And we're just getting started over there. We don't really have many subscribers to speak of, although we did get some traction on 
a few posts today there, and it would really help us a lot if you could um, follow us over on TikTok. Make sure you click the follow or subscribe feature over on TikTok. If we get to 1,000 subscribers, then we can start broadcasting live over there. Not that TikTok is my favorite platform, but there are a lot of viewers over there, and we will go wherever we can reach an audience to spread our message and continue our ongoing mutual quest for truth. So really appreciate the ongoing support that way. Let's take another quick break. And yes, you can join the conversation right now at 1-888-722-1071. phone lines are open. Here's the number. Join the conversation. Call 1-888-722-1071. That's 1-888-722-1071. Be a maverick. Exercise your right to free speech. Call 1-888-722-1071. The phone lines are open. Call now at 1-888-722-1071. Maverick News. Call now. The world is watching and listening to you. vibrations. Our quest continues. The truth is out there.
All right. So again, you can call one 1071 The number is scrolling on the bottom of the screen. That's our new phone number. I know a lot of you had the old phone number kind of programmed into your phones for quick dialing. It may take a little longer to get the, uh, the phone lines warmed up here tonight. Give you a little bit of time to start jumping into the queue. So let me check the phone system. It is turned on. And turn that off. Make sure that all the things are queued up properly. Here we go. <clears throat> I think we have our first caller of the night. Let's uh, <clears throat> get this up on the system. Who do we have on the line? Is this John? I hear no beep, beep. Hello? 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 Beep, beep, beep. <laughs> what, a, what a funny system. You got too many confusing press zero, press one, press... <laughs> I thought I'd try it out. I want to see what it said. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, what, what? I don't even know, John, how, clear, how it works when you call in, to be honest with you. So when you call yeah, in well, on the new system, what is what it ringing on my... I'm behind... I'm so far behind here, I don't know what's going on. It's clear, though. Okay, well... It's clearer than before, that's for sure. you got a clear system. Good. So you can hear me okay? Oh, yeah. Good. I hear, let me turn this off. Where's, where's, where's the volume on this stupid thing here? I don't want to... I turned all the sound off, so... All I got is the Gaza on TV right now. All the destruction going on there. <laughs> oh well, you gotta you gotta well, tune some of that stuff out, man, because it rots your brain after a while. It's just well, so I was much uh, negativity and, stuff. Uh, and then I just chase. What? What do you think? They got them all cornered, and a million and a half people. They got them cornered, and they're gonna blow them up. What do you think about that? That's okay. You you okay with that? Eh? You just block block it off, right? Just kill them all. Get rid of them all. Something going to happen, Rick. This is not working out good for Israel, I'm telling you. Something going to happen. Look at the blood on the streets. Oh, it's disgusting. They found a, 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 baby, a, a little girl's hand in a, in a car that was exploded. Here's the car right here. They found a, a hand. That's all that was left of hers, a hand. Mm -hmm. it, 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 makes, you know, I'm, it makes me cry sometimes. I hate to say it, but sometimes I cry of innocent people just kids and women and you know in well, women and kids yeah. i i love women and kids okay mm -hmm. if you if you're a, a fighter okay you get blown up I, I i i don't feel it so much but when i see you know it makes me cry sometimes i i do break down sometimes i don't know mm -hmm. i'm sorry rick look at the fires car yeah this is disgusting I can't do it. Sometimes I have to turn it off. So Yeah, well, I just told you, sometimes you have to turn it off. Nobody talks about it. Everybody's like the CBC, including you. <laughs> and Shadow. <laughs> the only guy is Dean. Dean there, he's, he's the only guy with a big heart, I think. That Dean, uh, whatever his name is. He's the only guy with a big heart. Everybody else, they're all cold. They're all like CBC. It's like watching CBC. They don't tell you nothing. You just ignore everything. They all get paid off. I don't. Anyways, forget about that right now. Uh, 
I don't think Trudeau's going to call an election because he knows he's going to get his ass creamed. Mm-hmm. So you're saying, I hope you're right. That's all I got to say. I hope you're right. Yeah. But I mean, I, I just think he's, he's, he's going to be sort of pushed into it. And, uh, yeah, that's why I'm looking at fall. Well, it seems like he is getting pushed into it, but he's a stubborn guy, that guy. He, he, yeah. he, he doesn't want to lose. He, I don't think he's ever lost yet. <laughs> hey, has he, has he lost at, at anything that he's done no, wrong? I, I don't think so. I no. don't think so either. So I don't think he's going to lose. I think he's something going to happen. Like in the States, something's going to happen there with, with the elections. I'm telling you, something's going to happen with the elections in the states. You know, it, what, sorry. Uh, what, what do you mean? Um, something in the states that's going to have an impact in Canada? You mean? Well, it might happen. Yeah, it might. It might. It might ha- yeah, it might happen here too. But like, like I don't think Biden. Biden is just as stubborn as uh, as uh, Justin. There, he's. You see Biden there. He he doesn't want to lose. He doesn't want to give it up. And he's not going to quit. You know, these people are sick. They're sick. They're sick. You know, when you're losing like that, it's like Harper. The last election, I kept sending Harper's email. Harper, please resign. Get somebody better. You're going to lose. I don't want to I want to be a, I'm a conservative and I want to stay conservative. I don't want liberals taking over. Please resign, Harper. Please resign. That guy was so stubborn and he, he just kept going. No, no. When these guys got power, it goes to their heads and they don't want to give it up. And they'll do anything to keep the power. It's not just U.S. and Canada. It's all over the world. If you look at everywhere, all these elections everywhere, they just don't want to. They don't want to give up. The, look at the uh, that uh, Yahoo Jew there. He, do, he doesn't want to lose his power, and he's not going to stop. You know, otherwise, he loses. If, if, I don't know what what we got to do, but uh, I think Leo probably got it right. You know, we got to start bombing the NDP with emails and say, you know what I mean? But. Those NDP, NDPs are, are, they're all two-faced. Like, the beer prices are going up. Restaurants are going to go out of business because they can't afford a 2-4. We're paying 34, 36 bucks. A restaurant has to pay 46 bucks for a 2-4. And, and they get taxed like everything on it. On on they're going to go bankrupt. They can't afford it. Nobody's going to buy beer. You know, nobody's going to go there and spend 12, 14 bucks for a beer. I know you don't care because you don't drink. I I don't drink, but when I go out, I don't want to pay 20 bucks for a bottle of beer to see a concert or wherever, movies. I, I You know, you go to movies and you can buy a, a beer there now, you know. It's like, I can imagine. Who the hell wants to pay 20 bucks for can of beer actually be 25 bucks for a can and is that what they charge in a in a in a public place to buy a beer now yeah you're looking at 20 bucks can of beer tall can where where is that that's not in like your corner pub that's what it like game leaf game blue jay game uh 
movie theaters, uh, you name it. It's it's the going rate. Twenty five dollars for a can of beer. Twenty bu- twenty bucks. Twenty bucks. 20 it's going to be twenty five if it goes up. If if it goes up five percent. Yeah. Okay. Plus tip. Plus tip. You know, you, uh. you got to tip these people. I tip. I tip wow. all the time. You know because. I know these people, they, they don't make much money, right? So you got, that's how they make their money, on tips. So I ran into a guy yesterday. I went into KFC. And there was a guy in there. He was fuming. He, he was waiting 40 minutes for his bucket of chicken or whatever. He, he's fuming, fuming for a, a bucket, bucket of chicken. And then... He gets his chicken and he, he takes off. Another guy. Hang on, I'm gonna, add, guy I'm gonna add a caller to the to the queue here. And there we've got you guys on together. Is this Leo? You know it's Leo, Johnny Boy. What's happening? Woo-hoo, Leo. <laughs> I can predict a lot of. Th- I can predict a lot of things, Johnny. Okay, what's yes. uh, it's it's kind of like I got the Alex Jones thing. Eh? I can predict. Uh, and usually I'm right, but I'm not right when it comes down to football. I just keep losing my shirt. But I am right about one thing. Put the pressure on the NDP people. There's only 20 ridings, okay? Yes. 20 ridings. Yes. That's not many in this country, okay? So you could, you could get a, a big congregation of people, man. Good plan. The 20 Good ridings. plan. Uh, I'm not stopping. I, 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 Actually, I don't the winter... NDP anyways, but... Go ahead. Actually, tomorrow's our reunion for the uh, the uh, the convoy at the Ambassador Bridge, and it starts at uh, twelve o'clock or whatever we meet at uh, Micmac Park. And the Windsor Police have already issued uh, the panic alert on their website. Oh, I did see that see today. That? Yes, I was going to mention it, and actually, I was going to ask you about it. So I'm glad you brought it up, Leo. Well, when you could have the. Uh, uh, the Islamic, whatever they want to call it, these little uh, uh, gatherings that they have and they're occupying streets, okay, and disrupting, okay, without permits. They're just forming and, and doing the, uh, the uh, Israel hate crap and all that shit, right? Uh, they're getting away with it. Uh, it's going to be interesting tomorrow. We're already talking about it. A few of us just laughing, going, yeah, what are they going to really do? Give us a ticket? Yeah. Get in, jail you. <laughs> They made a new a new law under the Perpetual Act. Oh, I don't know don't freeze your bank account. Yeah, they'll give you a ticket on top of that, yeah. What, they freeze my bank account while they have to pay my line of credit? Bring, bring, your, bring your Palestinian flags and, and they won't do nothing to you. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I'll, I'm gonna, I'll fill it tomorrow for you, Rick. I'll let, I'll let you guys know what it's like, right? Uh, cool. Uh, but it is, it is what it is, man. It is what it is. I liked what Kevin had to say tonight, uh, but he, he does see sound uh, on a journalistic uh, aspect a little jealous because he didn't get the scoop <laughs> from Putin, right? Uh, <laughs> same thing with Wallace. <laughs> same thing with Wallace. Yeah. Any journalist out there would have jumped at the opportunity, Rick. Well, of course. Mainstream uh, social you, media. <laughs> You're I not going to say you no. Think, of course I would you don't interview think, Putin. You, you don't think Putin knew... Wanted to know all the all the questions beforehand. 
Come on. Well, he has Russia. the right to know the questions. That's part of the. Uh, it's Russia. That's part of journalism. You're not going to bombard somebody, sit down in his house, okay, uh, have tea with him, and bombard him with questions that he don't know. That's that's a script, okay. That's. <laughs> but he gave him two hours, and I like that history yeah. lesson because I, I'm, I, you know, I like history. Period. Okay, and yeah, uh, yeah, now yeah. I know a little he, bit he about good. Russian history. Putin's a class yes. act, man. He, 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 he's got uh, his brains all there. Yeah. yeah he's I've been saying it. No. How, long I, how long have I been on this show, Rick? Call it uh, in. Man, I don't years? know, Leo. Almost from, well, it's been years, right? Because now you're right. up well over 200 calls. So. I was on. I, I was it, on here before I'm you. Leo. Leo, yeah. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I was on this show before you. I was on this show. I, the, when the convoy were. happened, that's when I found the show. 2020. I I, I found the I show found driving the show. down the street on my way to work. Okay, and I found the show, and I was going through a Tim Hortons drive-through, and it was the inquiry time. That's when I came around. <laughs> right to the show, and I said it from day one: Putin will be in power. Okay. Joe Biden will be long dead, and Justin Trudeau will be long gone. Putin will still be there, right? Mark my it, words. It, it was it yeah. was it was the Rick and Brandon show, six o'clock a.m. during the convoy. I used to tune in every night. Yeah, this is from day now it's one. The Rick and Leo show. It's the now Rick it's and the Leo Rick show. And, now it's the Rick and Leo <laughs> show. Yeah, that's okay. I like I love you, Leo. You're 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 a good guy. <laughs> no but I've been saying it. I've been saying that Putin's going to be a leader for a very long time, so I don't know what these, these chumps are doing, you know what I mean? It's better to get along than not. And right now, they're not. That's that's true. Yeah, it is better to get along, especially yes. with a nuclear superpower. Uh, I'd rather get along. Russia is a superpower. Fight. I think they're, they're the, the world's strongest military, I think. I've been saying that for a long time. Who? Russia. Oh, I thought you were going to say Canada. <laughs> no, no, Russia. Russia is the world's strongest military, has the world's strongest military. I've been saying. Hang on, I'm going to add another caller to the queue here. And we've got a third person. You know, with the, the history lesson I got, his history lesson that he gave me the other night, Rick, was simple. Okay, Ukraine is part of Russia, plain and simple. No different from Siberia or uh, Georgia or. Uh, any of the states that are around Russia, you're Russia, okay? And the history dates back to that. So he's got a big territory to defend. Yep, yep. You, right. you crazy. He don't, he don't want crazy. Poland. He don't want Latvia. He don't want... Adding another caller to the queue here. That hockey team, that little shithole. Okay? Yeah, we have another couple of callers no. uh, on the line here with us now. We've got... Uh, who, are, who, who has joined us? We've got two other people. Go ahead and introduce yourselves. Somebody from Calgary and so somebody hi, from I'm BC. Yeah, I'm the 403 number. Uh, I'm Dennis, actually, in Saskatchewan. I've had a oh. Calgary number for a few years. Are you able to hear me okay? Yes, yeah, you, yeah, go ahead. Okay, I'll continue on uh, first here. Uh, I've had a good interaction with you back in the Paul uh, Roller days, and uh, it was very nice that you were there to give me a feeling you had an outlet to have my point of view aired. Um, this is uh, regarding these days with uh, a lot of uh, less than good news coming in from a whole variety of sources with a variety of opinions. Uh, uh, it's just a cloud of uh, 
small doom and gloom with the bright glimmers here and there. But what I've noticed is uh, where I live, small town Saskatchewan, I just came home from watching my son ref a hockey game. There's another local game going on. Listen, it's, uh, it's a little behind. difficult to hear you now. You've, you've become a little bit muffled. Uh, can, can you just try to speak very, like, directly into the mic or something? There's something causing interference or oh, muffling. How's, how's this now? Um, I, I think you're okay. Yeah, we'll just we'll keep going. Oh, how about this right now? I think it's a speech there, Rick. Is he okay? Can you guys hear him okay? Yeah, I hear him. Okay, just go ahead. Oh, okay. oh uh, my point is, with all the uh, doom and gloom coming in, I still feel that in my little bubble of where I live, everything is really good unless I listen to the news. Prices have always gone up. Um, but, you know, if you don't pay attention and you just think about what you do every day, uh, you know, I just came home from a hockey game, stuff like that, shopping. Um, there's that angle, too. It's kind of, I suppose, the advantage of having your head in the sand. I just wanted to say that. It's not a question. It's just a topic I brought up. You, do you live in a big city? No, small rural town, Saskatchewan. Well, there you go. Yeah, I live in a big city, Toronto. The other day I took the subway downtown. <clears throat> it was packed. <clears throat> and I, I was stuck by the window. You know, you know the door window? And, there's a, and you can see your, 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 your face on the, on the glass because it's in the tunnels. The guy next yeah, to me is going, what are you looking at? What are you looking at? I'll kill you. I'll kill you. Stop looking at me. And I said, is he talking to me? So I kind of walked away, <laughs> and he's still talking to himself. There's a lot of Toronto. They forgot about all the people. There's there's a lot of people need help. The the little town, yeah, they're okay. Like where Rick lives and everything, but all these big cities, man, we got big problems here, man. And and yeah. Anyhow. Yeah. I got really nothing to say, except it, it's, uh, you know, it, like I said, I, I, the bubble I'm living in, if I don't li listen to the news, it's, uh, it's pretty happy. I'm going to hang up now. I just wanted to bring that okay. point up. There is sort of the sound business, that, uh, but I still listen. I still be aware. Thank you. I, you know, I appreciate you calling in and saying that because I try to share the same the same thought with people here often, which is you, sometimes you just need to turn turn the internet off and just go for a walk out in the uh, the sunshine and ground yourself again to understand that um, you know if you you still have the option of just detaching from all of the negativity, all of the negative actions, even the reality of it all. You know, you don't have to go to a protest. You can go for a walk in a park and get away from the conflict, you know, and just nobody's going to bug you if you're just over there alone. Like I do it every day when I go for those walks with my dog. That's one of the ways that I just, you know, detach from the stress and keep my, my head screwed on straight. Um, in that way, the, the saying, world Rick? is still you a decent stop place. Stop listening to your show. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, hey, maybe. What yeah. do you say? We should stop listening to your show. Maybe sometimes people should. Yeah, I mean, just shut it all off <laughs> for a little while, right? I'm um, just kidding with you, but no. <laughs> with that in mind, Rick, I'm going to hang on, but or hang up, but I'm going to keep watching. So thanks for hearing my voice. Hey, thank you for calling in. I, I really appreciate it. 
And uh, we have somebody, I think, else, somebody else from BC calling in tonight. Are you still there on the line? Hello, testing. Oh, testing. That's Pam. Hello, Dan. It Pam. is Pam. I had to come on with my other, with my other two lovely third nights. I had to come on and be here tonight. For sure, Pam. Sure. You're always welcome on the Rick Walker Show. I love Sir Johnny, and I love Sir Leo, and all the other Mavericks, and, and I'm feeling much better. I'm recovering rather quickly, and I'm eating lots of spinach to be like Popeye. And um, I just wanted to say uh, it was so good that you got a new phone system, and it seems to be working well now that the little things are getting worked out, and I hope you can hear me properly. We can indeed, clear. and it seems to be working out okay. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Clear. Oh, how, how glorious. Now, Sir Leo and I were in the chat tonight, and I thought it was quite humorous. And I, and then I was speaking with Dom D in the chat. And I have a little spy story to share with you when I was posted or stationed in West Germany in the 1980s, the 70s and 80s, and and it's quite interesting. But Leo was quite humorous tonight because he thought we should spy, put a spy, some kind of spy on Biden's diapers. <laughs> that all depends. <laughs> Or maybe a bug in them or something. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe the KGB already has. <laughs> mm -hmm. If the KGB even exists. I'm sure it's called something else down under Pooty. Yeah, it's called the FSB like now, hear, yeah. If you'd like to hear my spy story, I'll tell you. The floor is yours. Yes. Oh, right. So... We were stationed in Law, West Germany, and we were on leave, and a bunch of us went to the Hofbrauhaus in Munich for a weekend. We stayed there, and, and sat, the Saturday night, we went to this giant beer house where Hitler made one of his speeches from, so we all wow. wanted to see it. And so while we were there, we met a lovely Swedish couple, and they're big, long tables, like, like huge fancy picnic tables and they and they serve you beer that are two liters in weight and i actually was laughing and shook my tooth and as i bent my head down because it hit inside of them <laughs> it, it, it was so hard and and then we were having so much fun and i and i i was i mean gosh i didn't drink much and then all of a sudden i had two liters of beer so quickly and um and then another round came, and then this, and then this gentleman sat down beside me, and I was I have the same hair, hair coloring back then as Trumpy Bear, and uh, who is a just who is a distant cousin, and we all have full hair in the family, and uh, so anyways, I was sitting at the table, I was sitting at the table. Sorry, we've got some, uh, some talking going on there in the background. Sorry, I'm going Pam. outside. Sorry about that. Pam, can and I ask I you a question? Down. Can I to, to interrupt you? But that you so you were at the 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 same 
beer hall where the the um, the, the the beer hall putsch took place in 1923. Yes. Well, I don't know what year it is. I'd have to look it up. But it was yeah. where Hitler made one of his famous speeches from. And it was called the Hofbra House in Munich, Germany. What year were you there? I'll have to, st- I'll have to stop in for a beer there when I go there. What, what year were you Nin- there, Pam? About, about 1978 or nine. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, is it is it still open today, or do you know? I don't know. Yeah, it was my understanding that it was shut down at some point, so um, I've never never been there. No, it, was, it was it was huge when I was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It had been very, there a long time tall. since, like the uh, you know the eighteen hundreds. Uh, yeah, and survived uh, at least until the seventies. I don't know exactly what the status of it is now i think it's been shut down it may have actually been demolished at some point i'm not i just off the top of my head i'm not sure but yeah that sounds like the place where the the beer hall putsch took place and those nazis were killed and then after that the nazis um always referred to that incident uh because they martyred the 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 members of their party who had been killed and they had a blood-stained nazi flag that they uh they always used and that became like a a sacred thing for the the nazi movement so a little bit of history there did they talk about that while you were at the no, beer hall no i didn't know i didn't know i was very very young i was about 19 or 20 years old mm-hmm. yeah. mm. I but think what fascinating it, it was but i did lose my front tooth over it but you lost anyways, your front tooth. <laughs> well, how did you lose your front tooth? Well, these giant beer glasses. They were huge. Yeah, they they're, were jug, very, they're very mugs. Fun. They're mugs. They're, not, they're mugs. <laughs> and, and, and I could barely lift it. I had to use you two hands, and I just came out of boot camp, and I had lots of muscles. I mean, they were very big, maybe even three liters. I don't know. But they were very tall, and I was laughing because we were with a bunch of fellow soldiers and the Swedish couple, and we were all living it up and getting gassed up on the beer. And I bent down as I was laughing, and I hit my front tooth on the side. <laughs> so, you, so today, do you did, did you get your tooth fixed, or is it still missing? Do you have a false tooth there, a gold tooth, I, or what? Well, well, I got it fixed, but then COVID came and it fell out, and I didn't want to go to the dentist during COVID, not because of I was afraid and feared it, but you know why, the other reason. But anyways. So um, it's still out, unfortunately. I look like a goof. That's one of the reasons I don't go online. <laughs> well, now I really want to send me a picture. Tooth, hey, that's a bad one, bad one. Uh, yeah. Now we know what to look for. for now we know what to look for. And I, have, I have Trumpy colored hair, or, or they... I could be called Orange Dom in our Orange Palm because he is my cousin, and I do have the same type of hair. And when I did research on him, all his ancestors in the war, they, you get the, these things called attestation papers, 
and they tell you what men say when they signed up for World War One. And it's so funny because one of his uncles said, full head of hair. So they're very proud of their hair in that family, and so are we. My mother used to always say it. Well, you know, when we when we conduct some of our covert, covert, undercover, maverick, um, truth-seeking operations as spies, you know, we're going to assign uh, a code name for you. And you know what your code name is going to be? Agent Orange. Orange Cow? No, Agent Orange. <laughs> <laughs> no, my Agent Orange. I saw medical records on that coming in when I was working in the MIR. That's called a medical infirmary and in 19, about 1980. And they started to send us memos from Ottawa. And they were saying to, for us to be alert and to check some of the soldiers because they had been, if they'd been living back east, like I think it was in Nova Scotia or New Brunswick, they had sprayed Agent Orange over crops at one point, and we were having a lot of medical problems with soldiers because of this. Oh, they sprayed <laughs> Agent when Orange you do your, on with, crops in Nova Scotia? It was the maritime provinces, and Rick, I can look up the history, but it really did happen, and it happened before, way beforehand, and we got a memo into our medical infirmary to look for the signs and symptoms of this infliction that some soldiers were experiencing who lived back there in the area at the time that the or Agent Orange was sprayed. Huh. When Rick yeah, does is this in, animation, is, it, is this in Gage Town? Oh, that probably might be it because there is a military base there. Uh, yeah, there's an Agent Orange investigations at base Gage Town. Um, says that to the U.S. military in the 1960s. Uh, for U.S. military brush control and vegetation management, they sprayed for three days in 1966 and four days in June of 1967. Agent Orange, Agent Purple, Agent White, and other herbicides were sprayed by the U.S. military at the 5th Canadian Division Support Base Gagetown to test their effectiveness for vegetation management. Um, and there's some question about possible disposal of some of these chemicals. And this is a Government of Canada document that I've found on this investigation going back to 2018. A barrel investigation was conducted. Uh, and so they are, I think they're using soil samples as part of their investigation. Um, and this has been ongoing for, well, a number of years, at least going all the way back to 2005. So very, well, you, bring, you bring the most fascinating stories to us uh, that I was not aware of. <laughs> well, here's well, one for you. I was near Cage. I was I was in Cage Town this summer, okay. And uh, as I was passing through to go to St. John's, you can't get through, okay. There's signs up everywhere. If you if your car breaks down, that's one thing. But if you stop, and even my brother who's military says, if you stop, you maybe got seven minutes before the military's on you mm. <laughs> right and that's on the highway that's that's on the that's on the public highway man the number number one that's wow it wasn't so. like that when i 
it wasn't like that when I went there. I was there in in 1990, and and you hardly see, saw any military, even though the base was quite large, and we had relatives. And we Randy just added another caller to the queue from Toronto. Who do we have on the line with us joining the call? Hello, Paul. Hey, Hello. how are you tonight? Hello. I saw, I saw that there was too much, have, everybody was having too much fun. I had to call in. Hi, Paul. How are you? How are you doing? <laughs> I can't hear all you guys. You got yeah, in the pair already? Well, well, you go ahead and talk there, Paul. Well, I saw everybody was having fun calling in, so I might as well join the group. Why not? Sure. Oh, is this uh, PDF? How are you, Leo? Yes, hi, Pam. Right, how are you? Hi, <laughs> Johnny. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm sitting here watching Las Vegas live right now. And I've never Johnny, seen so many. Stay away. I've never, I, I, I've never seen so many cop cars. There's like every, every ten feet there's a cop car, and they all got their lights going, eh? I've never they seen. They figure so seven hundred fifty thousand, seven hundred fifty thousand people will be partying in Las Vegas tomorrow. It's by the way to get a cabana, to get a cabana yeah. in in Vegas right now to party. It's seven uh, uh, seventy five hundred or. $15,000 for a cabana, okay, to get into wow. any other parties, okay, in the bars and stuff like that, they want $200 entry free. What a moneymaker. And, and Leo, all I see is 49 jackets, 49 hats, 49, I don't see too many K, uh, K, uh, Kansas City shirts or jackets or hats, stuff. it's all 49, 49ers, 49ers. Everybody, I've seen some really fancy 49er jackets, man, really nice ones. But well, California and Vegas are right next to each other, so you're going to have and San Francisco. And it's cold as hell. Right? Look at this guy, he's got a weasel. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, funny. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Johnny, you know stay away from downtown Toronto. Uh, no, I'm staying home, but high alert. High <laughs> alert uh, tomorrow in Vegas because they're expecting uh, trouble. So they 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 they, uh, they got all all kinds of no drones within thirty miles of the place. Uh, they got cops. Everything. They got robots. They got all kinds of everything is really high tech. It's they're watching everything. Johnny, Johnny, I've heard that too, and I've also heard on watched on videos on Rumble that. Trump has said that he would like to be there replacing Biden because Biden was invited to speak and Trump may be there to speak. Oh, yeah? Huh. Yep. I don't think, I don't think, I I don't think they've would, taken him up on the, uh, the offer. I don't think it's going to happen. We'll see. Yeah. Well, you, you, you might surprise everyone just like they did in uh, the UFC walking in. Never know. It might be the best halftime show. Well, he he gets. I don't know. To Justin Bieber and in, in Usher, Usher and Justin Bieber. That's not going to be the best halftime show. Uh, yeah, best halftime show the, is uh, the headlines yeah. here, and it says CBS Sports Garbage. boss has shut down the idea of Trump replacing Biden. Who 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 said this, Rick? Uh, the head of CBS Sports, which of course is producing uh -huh. the. Um, the broadcast. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, they're they're the big boys down there. They call the shots, Rick. Those people. What do you mean, those people? So, huh. CBS. Yeah, yeah. They they call the shots down there. Yeah. Yeah. Wonder if I wonder if you could bet on it if he's going to show up. FanDuel. <laughs> maybe maybe uh, show you wonder if you're in the show. Well, Maybe we'll do an interview. interview. I'll we'll, we'll, we'll interview Donald Trump right here at halftime. All he has to do is sign on. I'll send him a link. And we'll do the Donald Trump <laughs> halftime Super Bowl interview right here. Hey, there's a girl right here. <laughs> so when, when, right you do, here. when you do your... Yeah, uh, you should be down there, Rick, right here. <laughs> Rick, Rick, next time you do the animation and you got uh, Agent Orange Pam... Okay, yeah. uh, make her face so that she's missing a tooth. So she's missing a tooth in the cartoon. <laughs> I think we or can put a gold that. tooth in for her. Well, you're going to have to tune in for that one. Yeah, because that'll that'll be a highlight. How, how many hey, mugs Ray. did you drink that night, Pam? Pam, how many mugs did you drink that night? What, what during the, the spy story? The spy story night? Yeah, about yeah. When you were down in uh, Germany, how many mugs did you drink? I think... I think about two or three. <laughs> you were a party girl back then, eh? I was. I still am a little bit. <laughs> Free down oh, the beer. <laughs> hey, Rick. Rick, uh, on your uh, animation show, you should put a Maverick logo, just like Batman. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there it is. Okay, guys, I got to roll. I got things to do. I got to get okay. up in the morning and go to, right, a, oh, and go to yeah. a convoy protest. Yeah, we'll be looking for that. Look at all the 49 er shirts. Leo, everybody's wearing 49er shirts. Yep. Not me. <laughs> all down there. Leo, Leo. Leo yes, listen Pam. to my spy story. <laughs> I did. Listen to my, listen to my spy story. Another one? Hello? Well, yes, yes another I one? To, I didn't get to finish it. I was just yeah, well, oh, having okay. beer. Okay, I was having oh. beer in the hospital. Leo's going to sign and, off. He'll listen. You keep on talking there, Pam. And we're, we're all, we're all uh, glued to our, our speakers as we listen to you and our, and our computer monitors. So we're listening. Go ahead and share the rest of your story. Oh, well, do so, Richard. All right. So we're sitting in this big at this big table, and there's other big tables all around us. And the ceiling is so high, and it's arched. And there's bouncers in wearing German leather hosen at the at the door. And there are bouncers, and they're big husky blonde bouncers, very German looking, in their gray leather shorts and embroidered shirts, and and um, anyways. So they're standing there, and this fellow walks in, and he sits right beside me at the table. And so there was a little room for other people still. And so he sat beside me, and he started talking with me in broken German. And it was, and so I could understand him, but every once in a while, it sounded like he was a little Russian because. One of my girlfriends in Germany had married a Canadian soldier, and she she spoke with a Russian accent. So, and I was studying how to speak German at the time. So I was listening to him very closely, and I could get some little words that weren't quite fitting. 
And then all of a sudden, he started asking me what I did in the military. So I said, oh, well, I trained. I was the first female tank driver, tank operator in Canada. And so he started asking about the tanks that we had now at that time. And um, so as he was asking me that, I said, well, and, and we were actually, our, we had sent our leopards to Germany. So I didn't tell him that because I didn't feel comfortable sharing with the civilian anything about the military in our equipment because we were stationed there with NATO. And um, so anyways, he kept asking and asking. And then one of the fellows heard him talking to me from across the table. And he was one of a fellow Canadian soldier. And he tapped me with his foot under the leg, on the leg, under the table. And I caught on right away. So I ended up tapping the rest of the fellows near me under the table, and he did the same, just as one of them was starting to speak about our military equipment. So anyways, one of them went to the head bouncer, and he said, look, this man is really bothering us. Can you please remove us him from our table? And the bouncer didn't really listen to him because we were all speaking English, and he probably thought we were American. And he did nothing about it. So the fellow stayed at our table. So finally I went up and I pretended to go to the bathroom, but I switched and went straight to the bouncer. And I said, I said in my broken, my learned German that I was learning, I said, to which I forgot most of it now, but I said, look, this man, I think, is a Russian or East German spy. And I said, he's asking about all military equipment with NATO here in Germany, West Germany, but he's also asking about your equipment. And so, boom, the bouncers were on him in no time, and he was out of the place. So years later, this is so, years later, I, well, actually, the next part is we all go back to the base after our weekend of leave, and we already must have had NATO intelligence watching us, watching him approach us. And so we were questioned when we got back to base because there was already somebody that knew this guy was a spy. Mm. And so anyway, then I, the ironic part of it, and this is kind of humorous, humorous, um, I went to a German restaurant in New Westminster, B.C., and uh, about a year later, or two years later, and um, anyways, the fellow serving us was this same bouncer, and he was wearing the same leather hosen <laughs> in the German restaurant. So I thought, oh, isn't this? And he said, oh, yes, he left Germany and came over to Canada. Well. But it was, that's my spy. That's my spy story. But it was a lot of, it was quite interesting to know that that somebody was watching this fellow in the Hofbrauhaus house and saw him speaking to us and when we got back to base they already knew and they asked us what we told him interesting well that there's an uh, interesting spy story well and and i went to to first year university on the base and you know what they caught a teacher teaching who was selling people, the Russians, Western information right on the base. They, they, they tracked him and they followed him for years. 
and he got busted. So espionage is big on on all sides. So when I heard Putin's speech, he's not going to relinquish much. I mean, the, he's protecting his nation. He wants a sovereign nation. But what also got me was he he spoke about the new world order, and I don't like that. Yes, I did notice that. Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So interesting story, Pam. And he didn't speak about the WEF, and nor did Tucker. No, they didn't. Wasn't allowed to. Putin probably uh, told him not allowed to speak about it. Well, the whole, the whole, the whole, the whole conversation. Putin know what was coming at him. Don't the Russians, man? They want to know everything. They're they're not going to sit there and be. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure he was asked what questions he could ask and what questions he couldn't ask. Uh, and and yeah, I'm sure yeah. it was probably edited. I, th I think you're uh, right. Yeah. The interview did, was probably Tucker edited. Tucker didn't, uh, didn't qualify the interviewer or talk about whether he had uh, submitted the questions in advance, which tells me he probably did as well. I agree with you. Well, I'm sure they're not going to let you walk pretty that close to the Kremlin's place over there, especially sitting <laughs> a meter away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Especially that's American, not, too, right? That's not to say that in the it middle of the like interview, you, he couldn't, he could have easily inserted additional questions or changed direction, responded with follow-up questions and things like that. But, um, <laughs> but you know, I, I'm certain that they at least wanted a, to know what the frame, the framing of the interview was going to look like, what what basically they were going to, what, what ground they were going to cover, you know? Um. Yeah, just like pretty much these interviews when the prime minister is speaking, they're all vetted and they already know the questions and sometimes they'll throw in a, a you know, a jab just to see what his reaction would be, right? No, I, I'm sure I can tell all. you that in, in all the time that I um, covered politics, when you were in a scrum situation like that, or a news conference, uh, they, of course, would vet people for security reasons to know who was coming in. But I was never required for any politician, conservative or liberal, or even NDP, to provide questions in advance. Um, and wow. generally would refuse Great. to do that anyway in a scenario like that. Um, so I don't think that they wow. do. Well, Rick, um, these times have changed from when you were a reporter till now, no, right? No, not, not that much. So. Nope. Mm -mm. Richard, no. Richard, okay. I, I, I can pretty much I guarantee. Sir Richard, yeah. Sir Richard, when I was reporting for a local newspaper between 2010 and 2012, I didn't have to, they didn't ask me to pr provide questions either. But by 2013 and the latter half of 2012, when you went to interview a government party, they did want you to submit questions in BC. And that was under Christy Clark. 
and she, our premier at the time, and she brought that in here. And so anyways, journalism here really started to change because I didn't like that either, and I never provided the questions ahead of time. What, what government was she part of? She was the premier of British Columbia. And, and, but what, what party was she with? Uh, liberal. Mm. No, in, in scenarios like that, you know, I generally would refuse. The most I would ever do for somebody was give them a general idea of what we were going to discuss. But I made the questions up as I went along, always. I generally had an idea of what I was going to ask, maybe formulated a few, but I never know how they're going to answer. So how can I, I how exactly. can I possibly know what I'm going to ask next if I don't know what the person is going to say in response? So I would well, that takes, preface the interview that, that way and say no guarantees, on, you know, on me asking these questions or those questions. I'm not going to submit questions because I don't have questions to submit. I'm coming in to have a conversation and explore these issues. This is what I want to talk about, but I'm not giving you specific questions because I don't have them. Yes, and that was against the code of journalism at the time to do that. That's right. And I don't, I still have that code of journalism. Mm -hmm. And uh, boy, I think, and I, and I asked the questions as we went along too. I didn't, you know, I had an idea in my mind of some things I curiosities, but um, other than that, I just yeah. went with what they were saying and rolled with it and then, and then expanded and asked them to be fitting questions. And then, uh, and then sometimes people would complain because I would quote what they said and uh, the other readers didn't like it. But then my editor just said, oh, well, yeah. then we'll go do the other side next week, you know. And uh, that's how we did it. I always, you know, I, I will sometimes put some questions down as a framework for an, an interview, but I don't necessarily stick to that. Never have. Oh. And um, generally, you know, I like I, I just I don't provide specific questions to interview subjects in advance and never I'm, I've, I've had many people ask and generally would refuse or would refuse to do the interview. So at most, I will just give people a, I'll have a discussion to say what kind of, you know, what, what are we going to talk about? I think that's fair. But then there's no guarantees after that, after we get going it's anything is fair game so and even if you do submit questions then you 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 can still in the middle of the interview it's unedited he could have asked anything he wanted if he had chosen to i didn't get the feeling though that he deviated much from the script but although i did get the sense that putin threw a couple of curveballs at him when he asked him or, or made reference to his uh desire to work for the CIA. Tucker's uh, had applied and wasn't accepted to the CIA, apparently, which also raised, yeah. a, you know, a bit of a red flag for me. Tucker Carlson wanted to work for the CIA and applied. And now we're being told he doesn't, but he's sitting there across from Vladimir Putin. And I don't know that 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 made me, uh, you know, set off some alarm bells for me. But I don't know how you guys felt about that. There were a couple of other things. Well, I've, I've, heard, I've heard that that a lot of media agents have, have, have had CIA training in the U.S. Well, I think that the CIA plants 
and, and intelligence agencies plant uh, agents in as journalists within media organizations to push stories out for them or they'll pay off journalists who are corrupt to yeah. push out stories for them that is a fact that goes on uh so but i don't think that those people are journalists and i don't like that at all because that is one of the reasons governments are then able to target legitimate journalists and uh and arrest them and sometimes even execute them because they it, it blurs the line between a journalist and a spy or a government agent or a political activist exactly so i don't like that at all i um i wish there was a law against it honestly for impersonating a journalist when in fact your motives are nefarious or 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 not journalistic well that's how they keep pushing the narrative right and yeah. it's always the same people talking about the same stuff over and over so you know yeah you could see some of them being acting like that undercover oh yeah 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 absolutely well, and you know they I, I know, I know, going, um, I know specific journalists who, you know, I can tell that they are not really just journalists. They are very friendly to particular political organizations or even countries. Yes. Yes, and Tucker certainly looked surprised at certain times during that interview, and I thought that was quite interesting. And, you know, with Putin being a specialist in espionage, uh, it's no surprise that he would already have known that about Tucker. Yeah, well, he he did his homework, and he had intelligence. I mean, they, Obviously, they were going to investigate Tucker. But you see, that's the thing. Tucker got bent out of shape because he says the CIA or the FBI or the U.S. government tapped his phone or went into his messages in an attempt to prevent him from interviewing Vladimir Putin. You remember him saying that before he went to, to Moscow? Well, when yeah. Putin sat there and sort of just... Put him in his place first by asking him if it was a, a serious interview or a talk show and then uh letting him know that i know i know mr carlson that you wanted to work for the cia it's a good thing they didn't hire you though like tucker didn't then get upset about that with putin and say how did you know that why are you spying on me <laughs> you know um, different reaction entirely Yes, it is interesting. Go ahead, Paul. Well, Rick, I'm going to get going. Okay. Um, sounds great. Sounds great. The the call in here, and there's no lagging, and uh, keep up the great work. Excellent. Bye, Thanks Maverick. for calling in. You know, great comments. Uh, I'm glad you nope. you joined the conversation. You kind of steered us in a in a in a good direction tonight. So I appreciate it very much. No problem. Have a good night. All right. You too. Bye, Pam. Bye, John. John, stay away from downtown Toronto.
North of I'm 401, okay? I'm home. I'm not, I'm not going home. <laughs> I might get attacked by some crazies right. down there. <laughs> yeah, crazy. So, it, bye. Ciao for now. It, okay, it's sad. This city is sad there, Rick. You go downtown, there's so many people losing their minds. You know, they're talking just... I don't know who they're talking to. I, I've noticed a big ups in that. People just... They're just sitting there talking to, to someone across from them in a table. They're talking to them. You see it in movies, but I see it in real life now. Yeah. Uh, like I said, the subway, they got, the guy's talking to a reflection on the door of the uh, of the uh, subway. You know, the, the door, he sees his reflection. And I thought he was talking to me. And he's talking, I'm going to kill you. Stop looking at me. I'll kill you. And I'm, I'm going. Ah, uh, you talking to me or what? <laughs> kind of go away. He still, I walk away. He still talking. The subway was packed. You and see, see, you, you're seeing. When did you start to notice a big increase in that, John, in Toronto? Just recently, you know, I, uh, I, uh, about a year. It's been. I seen it about a year, year and a half ago. Yeah. But maybe a year ago, a year ago, within a year. And I go to restaurants, and there's a guy sitting there talking to himself on the table, just talking to himself. And he's not on the phone. He's just everywhere. There's so many. I, I, I can't believe my eyes, Rick, how many people just talk to themselves. Yeah. Down the street, walking down the street. Yes, it's happening here, too. Yeah. I, you know what it is, eh? I think it's got something to do with that uh, uh, funny thing that we took, that everybody took, you know? Mm. It, it, it's making people crazy. Well, well, I, I saw that happening here four years ago, and this was a very peaceful town, and... Um, mm. And they call it the city of Denimo, but it was it was very mostly seniors, retirees, and family, new families starting out. But now, about four years ago, I started noticing people and um, talking a lot to themselves. I was volunteering at the Salvation Army during COVID, and that's when I really, really noticed it. And they the injections had not even come out yet. So yeah, I think I... it's the drug. Yeah, I think I think that's probably people. a big They're part young, of it there, Pam. People. I think you're right. It's it's They're drugs. People, it's Rick. I'm sorry. What's that, John? They're young people. They're not old people. Yeah. They're yeah. young. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think yeah, it's a yes, combination yes, of yes. things. It's it's drugs. It's uh, you know, uh, I think illicit drugs. I think that it's prescription drugs. It's uh, yeah, yeah. exposure to the it. internet. It's isolation during the pandemic. It's um, societal pressures. It's uh, socioeconomic issues where people don't have uh, enough to sustain themselves. It's economic issues. It's all of these things that contribute. And then it's also lack of access to medical care, in particular mental health services. Uh, but overall, it does seem like there is... So almost like some coordination to it or some some catalyst maybe is a better word that is generating a lot more of it because I'm seeing it in medium-sized cities as well when I travel and when I go up to even London an hour from here I'm seeing it there 
So. Oh yeah, London. London, I, I would see it there too. That's a yeah. big city. Yeah. In a nutshell, gentlemen, it's quite evident that the structure of our society is falling. Yep, and it's that's crippling. what I'm getting at. It's being crippled. Yeah, it's very being much crippled. So. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I think people need to be very aware of that. And you had a caller on earlier who said everything was okay where he is. Well, guess what? It was okay here until four years ago. It's going to come to where That's why I brought it up when he was saying everything's okay. Maybe where he is, everything's okay. (laughs) Well, you know, uh, not here. Not not in the big city. Uh, In the little towns, I guess it's okay, you know. Little towns, because it's... It's even even here, John. We're you know I'm starting to see it here. There there are definitely issues. Uh, it's still a little bit masked or hidden here. Um, you know it uh, you know pushed out of sight, so it's out of mind for a lot of people. But I'm seeing it. Um, I just you know the other day I went down to the plaza and I don't go out a whole lot, but. There was a guy with a shopping cart standing out in front of the shopper's drug mart with a sign, just leaning up against the walls, just zoned right out. Uh, couldn't really tell if he was even lucid, you know, if he was on the same planet as, as us mentally. It was uh, really very sad. And, uh, and that's I'm seeing that kind of thing more and more, even in this small town where I live. It's a big issue. Um, yeah. Anyway, guys, it it's uh, it's about time to wrap up for the night. So um, just for a very quick wrap up, I'll throw it over to you guys for some quick final thoughts. Go 49ers, go. <laughs> I'm, I'm watching Vegas right now, Rick, live. I got to go back down there. But the streets, they got fencing everywhere now. You can't. You know, when I was down there, you, you can cross the streets. I would, I wouldn't do it because you get arrested. But yeah. now they put fencing up everywhere. This is uh, the Vegas Strip. It, there's no more. They had do have crime. Yeah, we're just gonna add a caller to the. You notice that here. The fencing. It's all fenced now. This Vegas. That's Caesar's there, right there. You remember that place? Anyways. Yeah, you guys keep a, talking for a minute. We've now. got another call coming in here from Alberta. Is that you, Chris, or is that somebody else? It's me. How are you? Just fine. I'm going to step away for just a second. You guys keep talking. I'll be right back. Hang on. Hi, John. How are you? I'm good. Who's this, Chris? Yeah, it is. How are you doing? Good. Uh, you sound clear from Alberta there. <laughs> yeah. Seems like this is a no weird... time delay. <laughs> isn't it, isn't a it a two-hour oh. time delay? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's funny. Yeah. That's funny how a telephone, there's no time delay on the telephone. <laughs> no, no, there isn't. This is amazing, eh? You know, I thought I was calling my doctor's office because it says, call, you want to talk to the operator? I'm going, well, okay, would that be Rick? So I hit zero, and then, I, then the music playing was what my doctor's office has. I go, huh? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, this, yeah you got to know what, I, I press zero. I, 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 I don't press zero. Sometimes they go, Press this. I just keep pressing zero, 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 zero. zero. <laughs> finally, I get a, finally, I get a live guy coming on there. You know what I mean? I just keep pressing oh, zero, 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 zero. It drives me yeah. crazy. Press one. 
if you want to hear your statement, press two for your yeah. balance. Press this. Yeah. I say, screw that. Zero, zero, zero. zero. And then I get a live person on there. Yeah. I, I want to talk to a live person. <laughs> yeah. Hey, there's Spider-Man. Uh, oh, hello? yeah. What did I miss? Are you, what, what phone system are you talking about? A government phone system or this phone system? No, your phone system, Rick. So I call it, and then, yeah, you have to, it says, it says, if you want, if you know your party's extension, hit the number. If not, hit zero for the operator, and I'm going, well, Rick has to be the operator, so you hit zero, and then the music, <laughs> and you listen to this, I listen to from my doctor's office, I'm going, did I just call Rick, or did I call the doctor's office? It's so bizarre. All right, I'll, I'll go right. into the system, I'll, I'll, I'll try to streamline what? it, and, and maybe, maybe and, and I can get you some Rick. more entertaining music. Rick, yeah. Rick I, 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 a lot of the places I phone, press this for for yeah. uh, uh, your statement. Press this for the about. Press this if you want to hear country. Press this. I just keep pressing zero, 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 zero till the calls come home. And then I finally get a live person on the phone. Because all I want to do is speak to somebody. <laughs> Forget about this. Press this, press this, press that. Does that drive you, you people? Does it drive you nuts doing that? Or is it, it does. Especially so, so when you call the government offices, you got to keep hitting oh, one, hit one, 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 one. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so, did you have any, you any anything specific you wanted to talk about tonight, Chris? Well, not well. I, I wanted to try out your phone line, obviously. <laughs> okay. And I wanted to say hi. I don't know. Is Pam still floating around on here? Yes, I am, and Johnny still, uh, and Johnny started talking, and I wanted to say hello, but I had to wait. Hello, Pam. How are you feeling? I'm feeling way better, thank you. Way better. I'm on the mend. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. That's awesome. It's good to hear. I hope Patricia gets well. I hope she went to the hospital yesterday. What? Super Bowl. No, no, these are they're in, in concrete. Sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Go ahead there, Chris. What did you want to say? Um, well, I lost track of my Oh, I... Sorry, sorry, I got um, someone here giving me... No, I was just going to say, if you, if you think... Like, I was listening to you talking about um, saying is throwing all this stuff against Trudeau if you don't, you know, by the end of the month. Yeah, I, I think Singh is all talk. He ain't gonna, he's not going to back away. I can't, I can't see that happening. I mean, I wish he would. I just, I can't see it. He, he likes his job too much. He wants his pension. I can't see it. I don't think he needs to worry. Wouldn't I think you, that, wouldn't uh, you, you know, he'll be reelected anyway. Wouldn't you anyway, want that uh, half a million dollar pension? <laughs> well, yeah, but not if it had to work with Trudeau, I wouldn't. It's not worth it. It's not worth the cost. Like he, uh, as, as Pierre always says, he's not worth the cost. <laughs> it's like when I worked for TTC, I was I was making uh, really good money. All you had to do is go in there, keep your head down, turn the lights off, and just show up on time and leave on time. <laughs> you didn't have to know nothing, uh, uh, yeah. and you get paid and you get paid big money, bonus, boots, clothing. Pensions yep. and everything. I got fed up with it. I go, this is bullshit. <laughs> so I was there for my, like 10 years. Yeah. My ex-husband worked for the Toronto Transit Commission when we lived in Toronto quite a, I mean, quite oh, a few yeah. years ago. But 
Yeah, he was a driver. He did the streetcars and the subways and the buses. He, he kind of liked the uh, subways the best, though, because that way no one really bothered him. <laughs> you know, you're kind of up front the, by yourself. I, I worked in the engineering department, so... Oh, I got on. to see all. I got to see all the tunnels, all the stations. I I did a, a lot oh. of bus garages. I was. Oh, uh, Most of the work, most of my work, I was doing all the new bus garages. I did them all myself too. I didn't wow. want no help. Good for you. <laughs> no, you How long were you there? there? Ten years. How least. long were you there? Oh, okay. But they're all useless. I'm telling you. <laughs> I worked for the the hydro. I worked for the board of education. I worked for uh, TTC. I've never seen the government jobs. I've never seen such useless people. They're really useless, man. Yeah, even you know, I live in a smaller town out here, and uh, you know, you see the town going around. You know, they'll, they'll be working on a job, right? So there'll be like ten of them standing there, and only actually one yeah. working. The rest of it. It's like seriously, what are y'all getting paid for? <laughs> <laughs> well, I hear so you. Could, you could imagine Trudeau's government, eh? They're all useless yeah. twits. Yep. <laughs> none, of them, none of them know what they're oh, doing. No. None of them know what they're doing. Hey, Rick, no. you, you know about stuff like that, huh? Oh, <laughs> I've seen lots of uh, yeah, bureaucratic uh, procrastination and mm-hmm. incompetence and apathy. and uh, yeah. yeah, I've seen lots of that yeah. in my day, yeah. Well, crazy. Yeah, I think it's getting worse, though. I really believe it's getting worse. Yeah. Nobody, yeah, everybody wants money. Yeah. That's right. Everybody wants big bucks, but nobody really wants to do anything to earn it. <laughs> no. Yeah. That's, uh, that's yeah. what it is, you know. And, and, and my department, we had three chiefs making $140,000 a year. Three chiefs. Okay? Three of them. Like, all you need is one. There's only, like... Yeah. The engineering department. The engineering department was like maybe what twelve people, eight eight to twelve people, and you had three chiefs talking yeah, about wasting government's money. Yep. Huh? Of course. Well, well listen, guys. It's uh, the the clock is is ticked to the end yeah. of the uh, the day. So we're going to wrap up now. I appreciate all okay. you guys calling in and being part of the okay. show again tonight and helping out. Um, it's been okay. Fun. Yeah, maybe you can put some better music on in the background, Rick, because I really thought I was calling my doctor's office. There. <laughs> oh, 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 Rick, 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 Rick. Yeah. One, one more thing. One more thing, Rick. Yeah, Are you there, Rick? I'm here. Yeah. You say you're getting old and you're getting crooked in the morning. My my left arm has been hurting for every so often. It starts hurting. Okay. I go give blood. Uh, I just went the other uh, uh, the last last week, a couple of days ago, and my le- my uh, left arm, my they drained a, a water ball out of me. Now it's fine. It's, it could be your your body's got too much iron in it, so it, it's good to give blood every six months. Maybe you'll feel better. You should try it. Bloodletting. So you advocate for bloodletting as a <laughs> as a holistic health yes. maintenance yes. thing. Well, well, he has a point, Rick, because every time you give blood, you rejuvenate new blood. So he does have a point. And, and your old blood, you know how much iron is, 
collection in your blood and the iron too much iron in your blood not not healthy for you it makes you like arthritis your bones and it it, it clogs up everything eh so anyways look into does, it does it make, yeah, it does it make your arm feel better john when you give blood the pain's gone the pain's gone and, and this is not the first time every six months i feel the pain coming back and I go get blood and it goes away. So, I don't know. It's, but they, they say it's healthy to donate blood every six months. Uh, you can look into it. You're a good researcher. Okay. Uh, maybe maybe some of your health issues it might help them. That's all. <laughs> okay. 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 All right, guys. Everybody have a good night. I'm going to get some water, man. My mouth's dry. All right, you guys have a great night. Thank you, everybody, for calling in tonight. Love you all. Take care. See you guys. Bye now. Bye. And that ends our uh, our call-in portion of the show tonight. Um, thank you, everybody, for joining us here tonight on the Maverick News Channel. Oh, let me take this little battery thing down here, too. There you go. And now we are free and clear. I will be back tomorrow night at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with the antivirus program for your mind. Love you guys. Catch you tomorrow on the flip side. This has been a Maverick Multimedia Productions.